0: It's it's a it's scary skeletons, and shivers down your spine. Shrieking skulls will shock your soul and seal your doom tonight. Spooky, scary skeletons, speak with such a screech. You'll shake and shudder in surprise when you hear these zombies shrieks. Man. Oh, okay. So, uh, we, we're going to be, okay, let me, we're playing another time game. Everyone, everyone. I know you like it yep. what, when I immediately set you up for, yep. like, an awkward dialogue. Let's go back to
1: episode 33. We're 74 <laughs> minutes in. You said. <laughs> I did do that to you last time, didn't I? So...
0: Because I kind of pre-planned how this, like, season is gonna go, like, you and another person are doing a multi-story right now, so I'm kind of balancing both of you as repetitive episodes interstitched with, like, singular episodes. And this episode is being recorded now, but I already recorded, like, the next two after this one.
1: That's impossible. (laughs) File name-wise that's impossible (laughs) do you have a a time machine i
0: you can't record a time machine so at an earlier time i recorded episodes that are going to come out later
1: okay so what year is it right now (laughs) it oh shit that's
0: a good question so i had a new person on and we had talked about your episodes Because you know him. Yeah. And of course, like, we talked about people on the show, and I asked him his feelings on the show, and he talked about your episodes. And he had said something like, uh, he wants his episodes to be like yours. Okay. And I was just like, oh, he would like to hear that. I'll I'll ask him when I see him next. And he's like, when's that? And I'm like, oh, it's going to be the episode before this one. And he's just like, oh, well, okay. Again, episode before this one. That's impossible. Again, so we are here to record the um, the last part of Baraska.
1: Okay, I thought you were going to say the last part of this episode. Now <laughs> we're going to record the last half of this episode right now. In the first half of the episode, let's go. I mean, kind
0: of. <laughs> From this point forward, the episode will be ending. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's true. If you think about that's it. That's true. That's a good point. So. Baraska, though. Baraska, though. Bar-aska. Um. So last time I had promised that I would edit part one to fill us in on what we maybe didn't understand from part two. And to start this off, I did not do that. So I am still just as blind Word. to the actual plot. As you are, you I have it. I have not had a refresher. Therefore, you have not had a refresher. Therefore, continuing into part three, it's almost like we haven't read it in a couple weeks.
1: Hundred percent, I remember what happened. Story blow. It's for because we blow.
0: haven't read it in a couple weeks. Done, dunzies. To explain that when that does happen, dunzos. You can't it's tell your happen. viewers that it's
1: gonna fucking. Our happen. time is different from. So our I'm time, smoking
0: strawberry fields right now. And Django brought me Strawberry Cider Boys. Mm. Furda. Furda, mm. man. And um, Pretty pretty sick. So I take a I take a breath. I take a sip. Swallow. <laughs> and then breathe out.
1: oh, that's advanced. That's advanced. No, that's how you get fucked. That's advanced. If you didn't follow that at home. He st- so he puts the red box in, the mm-hmm. bigger red box. Then mm-hmm. he puts the blue box in, mm-hmm. and then he takes the red box out. Mm-hmm. And then he takes the blue box out. Mm-hmm. Think about shouldn't be possible, but it is. It is because it's
0: there. Woo! So Woo! guess what? Uh, guess what the new the new person? Uh, guess what his name is on the next episode.
1: Hey yo, it's Childish Gambino. I
0: wouldn't. That be something. In answer to your
1: question, right?
0: That's it kind of did. Yeah. yeah. No, I know. Uh, that was bonfire, right? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Drop. Drop it like the Nasdaq. Ooh.
1: Oh. Okay. So
0: it's um, appropriate right now. We we had. I, I had his name planned the entire time. I had probably been trying to get him. The guy on the next episode is who I'm talking about right now. Um I had been trying to get him on the show for probably like 30 or 40 episodes I would say. Yeah. And uh he's a very busy man and he gets distracted very easily. Um but he's always kind of come back and said like, "Hey, I listened to a couple episodes, pretty righteous." And I would always be like, "Hey man, what are you hey, doing? What's uh get over here. Come on over. Come on over. Hey, hey bud. Bay bay.
1: Hey bud. Hey, hey chief.
0: And he come, come and he on. finally did, and I had had his name planned the entire time, and um, it's Doctor Ankenstein, and when you put it together, it's Drankenstein. Uh. And he, uh, he was abs- yeah. He's he's also pretty high and pretty fucking drunk yep. on the next episode. It's Ooh. very it's very fun. Good, <laughs> both of us are. Cause I'm honestly right now,
1: I'm a little blaze.
0: Oh, I'm fucked. I'm a little. It's Whoop. good though. Whoop. Um, I'm I'm worried about the story ahead, but I know whatever it will be,
1: I am uh, so excited. Will be so excited. <sighs> Baraska episode is gonna be four hours long.
0: No, it's not. We we're already. I'm not even. We're not doing like an intro conversation about anything because I know this is the final part. And I know that we got a good chunk, so we're just going to get into it pretty quick. But I do want to kind of backtrack, flashback, you know, however you yeah. want to think about it. Part one, kid moves to Newtown. Kid is awkward, doesn't have friends. Dad is cop. Older sister is bitch.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, meets so up again. with a neighbor friend. Who is Jockey Guy with Little Sibling. Right. They say, uh, we gotta go to the tree, and we gotta do the ritual, because you're new to town, and all the newbies, you know, you gotta do it. And if you don't, you're fucking dead, or you're a fucking pussy. So you might as well kill yourself. right. So, they introduce to kind of hot, awkward friend chick, that narrator... Not his sister. Not his sister. That narrator... That narrator wants to bone, but it yeah. turns out... The friend ends boning. up boning. They're boning. Uh, not the sister. Yeah. And But
1: we don't... But honestly, we don't know if that's permanent. We don't know how long-term no, the solution that is. We don't know how so long-term that's you know, going to be. A, you know, it probably we'll won't be.
0: And, um... The main guy has a crush on a girl whose name is going to come up... Because he always says her, like, full name. He always says, like, first name, last name. Like, he just, like... I don't know. I just noticed it. And, um... Narrator goes to tree with three kids. Yep. Uh, so jerk, could. jerk face, little brother, and f- girl character. They go to tree. They do ritual. They sign tree with knife and bloodlet to seal it. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And uh, so and then so and then they go back, and someone starts talking about how. Uh, there are skinless men that come into the town and abduct the people and okay. the the parents and the children of which the town does not, uh, I mm-hmm. don't know, like or, you know, Enjoy. A- agree with. Desire. Maybe. And yeah, there's creepy people them. in charge of the town. There's like an unstable family. Yep. The dad's kind of senile and he's saying that they did it for the snow or something. Yep. They did it for the ash or the white. The powder. The powder. The the powder, powder, which I
1: thought was cocaine.
0: I thought it was ashes of dead bodies. Yep. Yep. And, um... Yep. It would be too simple to be drugs, but I just... uh, Moving on. Um, (laughs) The story is on Creepypasta, not on... I don't know. Some short story collection sitting on a bookshelf in fucking Barnes & Noble's. Um, it's on the internet for a reason. It's right. because it's stupid.
1: Yep.
0: <laughs> and because it's not, it doesn't make sense.
1: And not So it's going
0: to be dead body ashes.
1: I'm sad. I, chip. I get it. Anyway. Okay. I get it.
0: What else is going on? Uh, narrators, uh, five years have passed. Yeah, in part two, and the narrator's sister has disappeared. Everyone assumes she ran off with the boyfriend, but but he knows for a fact that by seeing her signature on the tree, but without seeing the blood to the tree, that the or that the um the sister fucked up the ritual or something. She goofed it, or someone put her name there. You know,
1: I'm not. I'm
0: still not sure. But enough time has passed. He works at a sandwich shop. Moving on.
1: Yes, and it has a stupid name which is the name of the The name of, rich of the rich guy, thing. yep. The, and the, artisanal of the artisanal sandwiches. Artisanal. Sandwiches. Not like Quiznos. It would be like Quiznos you artisanal. got that honey mustard though. Well, actually Quiznos artisanal sandwiches is a pretty good name. I'm pretty hungry. Yeah. It's bad in the story, but if you're quit, no, the Quiznos thing works. But this the, the one in the story doesn't work. Well, Quiznos sounds good.
0: But is there anything I'm missing or is there anything you would add? Uh,
1: or perhaps have questions about we, so we had the revelation. He talked about his sister was missing for a while. He mm-hmm. talked about how the guy mentioned the powder. Mm-hmm. Talked about how he found a name on the tree. Talked about seeing dead people. Yeah. And, yeah, Bruce Willis. You covered all of them. You got all uh-huh. of them. Yep. Uh-huh. Those are the major revelations that we've had. So... You know what's funny is I would, I'd
0: probably like to see M Night Shyamalan like do a story like this. Oh, probably. a creepypasta? Yeah. No, I mean like oh. as a movie, like take Baraska and make a movie out And just make out a movie with, out. Yeah. I feel like if he were to be adapt, if he were to ad- adapt something like that, um, I'm starting to get worried about Glass, the
1: Unbreakable sequel. You should. That is coming because out. Because glass in your cup right now. Should be real fucking. No, word. it's in the other one. Should be real concerned. <sighs> Give me a second. You make me nervous. Why?
0: Don't say that to me. <laughs> there's not glass in my cup. I got no, it. There's
1: just a little glass in your
0: cup. God damn it.
1: We've all had glass in our cup,
0: man. No, no, we, no, we haven't.
1: All right. Oh man,
0: stop. How are we, how are we doing this? I think. uh I don't remember how we took yeah, off. So, no, do you no. want to start as narrator and I'll just read everyone else, like dialogue? Yep. Yeah. yep. Yeah. Or do you want to start as everyone else dialogue and I read narrator?
1: You read narrator. Okay. Get get for this train least, going for
0: at least part three. Yep. Yep. All right. So we're reading. Um, Bar- we're re- we're we're hopping back into Baraska. Bar- this is episode 108 Lots of Pasta here with Django Phillips. Um you know what this is. You know why you're here. You, you know, know who's, You know this. You know who is sitting here. Don't on the act couch like right this. Gross. Right? Do this. So you know. You know. This is Brasca, Purasca. Oh. Part 3, episode tight, 108. Tight, tight, tight. Hopping into part three and part four of Baraska, follow, follow along online if you if you want to. Um, maybe don't Come. because we're gonna get off topic sometimes.
1: Oh, follow along.
0: Do you think she blames herself? I think that's me. Okay, probably.
1: <laughs> Do you think she blames herself? I don't know, man. Probably. I stress. Oh my god. I'm See, this is. Oh, this is gonna trim. I up
0: stretched out on the reclined seat of my Chevy and pulled the bill of my hat lower over my eyes. But do you think she's okay? I didn't answer him. I certainly hadn't been okay when Whitney died and Kimber was even closer to her mom than I was to my sister. She was definitely not okay. Sam, seriously, I'm fucking freaking out here been two days i pushed my hat up off of my face and looked over at kyle who was admittedly a wreck his eyes were bloodshot his face sallow and his red hair was greasy yeah (laughs) you're like nodding your head and i'm like yeah i don't know dude her mom committed suicide you know how close kimber was to her mom she just needs some
1: time, but she'll be okay. She hasn't answered any of my texts or calls. I've left her like nine voicemails, man. I think I'm going crazy. You just have to give her space. Yeah, but she's my... My... He still
0: couldn't say it around me. I'm supposed to be looking after her. I sat up and pulled the chair up right behind me. Look, Kyle, I know you want to help Kimber, and I want to help her too, but she hasn't answered our calls, been to school, or come to the door when we've stopped by her house. She doesn't want to see us right now, and we have to be okay with that. Right now, Kimber knows what's best for Kimber. What about the suicide note? You think that has something to do with it? I sighed. We don't even know if there was a note. Kimber's dad was upset and messed up when he said that, and it's possible I misheard him anyway. I asked my dad, and he said there was no letter. Right, because your dad is such a beacon of truth. One look at Kyle told me he'd immediately regretted his words. I shrugged. I don't know what to believe anymore. The truth was that I knew what I heard. Mr. DeStaro had said something to the cops about a letter, but I couldn't tell Kyle that, not right now. He was always worried that his relationship with Kimber was part of the reason her mom had been so depressed. I'd asked my dad about the letter when he'd come home after that long night, and he'd side run both of his hands through his hair
1: in a tired away, and said, Sam, I don't know what to tell you. And Astaro didn't leave a suicide note, and this is the first I've heard of it.
0: With our best friend in mourning and our investigation on hold, Kyle and I had been existing in a sort of suspended state. We went to school intermittently, skipping classes here and there, missing end-of-the-year tests, and smoking more weed uh, oh, okay, than but. either of us could afford.
1: I'm not paying for it.
0: Without Kimber, there. To set us straight and keep us in line, we were lethargic, brooding, and irresponsible. I'd never realized how much I relied on her. Kyle and I skipped the last two periods of the day and debated on whether we should even go to school tomorrow, which was the last day of our sophomore year. We finally decided to show up for the second period, which I was glad we did because Kimber showed up in biology. I didn't even see her at first. I had my head down on my desk, resting on folded arms when I felt a meek hand pat me on my shoulder. I turned around to see her standing there, looking unsure and uncomfortable. I gave her half a smile and pulled her into a hug, but I wasn't uh, it wasn't a super comforting not at all awkward Kimber hug. It was longer, weaker hug and I felt so protective in it that I was sad when it was over. How are you doing, Kay? Kay? I asked her when she finally released me. Kimber wiped a tear off of her cheek. I'm okay. (laughs) And she gave me a wobbly smile, and I knew it wasn't true. I wrapped her into another quick hug as Phoebe Dranger gave us a snotty look. Have you seen Kyle yet? No, I have next period with him. He's been worried about you. I know. She said, sliding her eyes to the floor. Things have been really (sighs) hard for me at home. It's okay, I said. We're here for whatever you need.
1: Yeah, that's, that's what I was hoping.
0: Whatever you need. Since it was the last day of school, our teacher, Mr. Founder, was just happy to be Found her? How'd you get her? <laughs> get <laughs> was just <laughs> to return our graded tests and let us bullshit the rest of the period. Kimber talked about the arrangements for the funeral that weekend and chided Kyle and I for skipping finals to get stoned. When the bell rang, I could see that Kimber was both excited and nervous to see Kyle as we packed up her bags, I assured her that Kyle wasn't mad. He was just worried about her. She threw her bag over her shoulder, set her jaw, and nodded. She was trying so hard to keep it together. As soon as Kyle saw her from down the hall, he slammed his locker shut and walked towards us with such intensity that I began to wonder if maybe he was mad. (laughs) He pushed past a dozen people without so much as glancing at them and left a curious, if annoyed, crowd in his wake. When he finally reached us, Kyle threw his backpack against the wall and swooped Kimber up in the sort of way you'd see in old black-and-white movies. Everyone who watched all this unfold, including me, groaned in unison. (laughs) Since most of the teachers weren't even bothering to take attendance that day, I went to calculus with Kimber and Kyle where they had the same conversation Kimber and I had just had last period Towards the end of the hour the conversation faltered and became uneasy Kyle and I exchanged a look over the top of Kimber's head and I nodded at him Kimber he said quietly Did your mom leave a letter? What? Kimber asked in surprise I heard your dad talking I heard your I heard your dad talking about a letter on that on the day that uh on 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 that day on Tuesday, I said. Oh! As we waited for to continue, the bell rang for lunch. Everyone filed out of the room, but the three of us stayed still, sitting on our desks, not in our desks. As autumn, Camber finally said. She sighed sadly and looked over at Kyle yes what did it say oh no (laughs) shit what did it say (laughs) that's Kyle's voice you gotta read it in Kyle's voice not my voice shit (laughs) we're too silly right now (laughs) what did it say oh my god who was that who are you Who the fuck are you?
1: (laughs) That was Kyle. What did it say? He asked nervously. I don't know. I haven't seen it. I asked my dad for it when we got home, and he said I'd misheard him, and there was no letter. He said, not to mention it to anyone else, or I'd just upset people. Well, then we
0: both misheard him, I said, which seems unlikely.
1: I've known my dad all my life. Yeah. And I know when he's lying.
0: People started to filter in for the next period, sliding sympathetic glances at Kimber. Since it was our lunch period, we gathered up our things and walked out to my car, as we always did. I sat in the back seat, letting Kyle and Kimber take the front. Kimber took a deep breath and
1: continued. I know my dad is lying, and I know he has the letter. Can we, can we rewind really quick? Do you know what she just did? Hmm. She just carried on from the last sentence over them walking all the way out through the gym. Or, like, all, all the gym time. She was like, that sentence is like, makes no, t- it, Who? I don't like it. Okay. Anyway. I get what you're saying, but yeah. I don't, I also like, I have
0: to ask myself, like, I mean, we know this is just bullshit written online. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's true. That's true. <laughs> that's, true. that's true. Are you
0: sure? Kyle asked. I could tell he was still terrified that some of the
1: blame rested on him. Yeah. And I know it contains the word Prescott. I think I even know where it is. Prescott? Yet somehow
0: I wasn't that surprised. He was the axis around which everything
1: that was bad orbited. How do you know it says Prescott? Kyle asked. I heard my dad reading it once. I think he reads it a lot, actually. He was sort of sobbing and whispering the words and throwing things in his office. My dad, he hasn't been well. Do you think, uh, fuck? Do you think he, she was having an affair with Jimmy Prescott? I shook my head.
0: I'm guessing you need to think bigger than that, Kyle. I agree.
1: Kimber said to her hands in her lap. With everything we know about the Prescotts, I'm fairly sure this isn't about an affair. It's all connected somehow, don't you think? My dad was the love of my mom's life, but she only left a letter mm-hmm. for me. I think that somehow I'm the one she wronged, not him. You know, I think she did something to me. Or maybe she did it because of me. Kimber's voice broke over
0: the last sentence and Kyle pulled her over, kissed the top of her head and whispered, "Hey, okay, babe." and whispered words to her that I couldn't hear. So fucking brave, babe. So, we need to get the letter. I said after giving them a minute. Yeah. I really need to read it. Kimber's voice was still wobbly. How do we get it?
1: I asked. If it's in the office, we just need to like wait until her dad isn't home. Kyle said as he looked out the window. You don't think I thought of that? Kimber sighed. He never leaves his office. Not since we got home from the hospital. He sleeps in there. So we need to get him out. No, we need to get me in. Tomorrow is my mom's funeral, and half of Drisking will be there, including my dad, of course. I need to leave without him noticing, and run home so I can go through the office. Okay, that's easy, I said. Without my dad noticing, and I need to be back by the end of the service. We both nodded,
0: but stayed silent, because it looked like Kimber was weighing, saying, more. My dad, he's been very cold, (laughs) and I I think he blames me. Kimber finally said, That's bullshit! Kyle spat. Can you guys help me? Absolutely. Of course. We spent the rest of the lunch hour creating a plan far more strategic than the mission probably needed. Kyle and I would engage Mr. Distaro in conversation and then Kyle would get a text from Kimber telling him she was having a breakdown in the bathroom. Kyle would leave to go comfort her and they would take my car to the Destaro house. I would stay behind and keep an eye on Kimber's dad while they're gone. I went to work that afternoon for the first time since Monday. Mira seemed to be in a much better mood and let me go home early since it was a Friday. (laughs) I didn't sleep well, though, and I got up at 4 a.m. to go through my clothes looking for something dressy and black to wear to the funeral. My dad came in before he left for work and found his disheveled, panicked teenage son looking helplessly through piles of black clothing. He smiled pityingly and led me to his own closet. Since my dad and I had not only the same face but the same build, as well finding something suitable to wear was easy, I thanked him and he asked me to apologize to Kimber for having to work through the service and that he sends his love and Destaro's funeral was at an Episcopalian church on the other side of town. I picked Kyle up at 9 and saw he was also wearing a suit of his dad's, though he didn't fit it nearly as well, and he was constantly pulling at the sleeves and readjusting the waistline. Unfortunately for Kyle, he was much smaller than his dad. We parked as far away from the church as possible, where we hoped no one would notice a car leaving. When we went inside the church, we saw that Kimber wouldn't have to do much acting to convince people she was having a breakdown. We found her at the back of the room, tucked into a chair in a puddle of curly orange hair and tears. Kyle sat down next to her and pulled her into a hug. Jesus, Kimber, what's wrong? I kicked his foot and shot him a look that said, really? And Kyle bit his lip. I mean, uh... Fuck! Fuck! "'There's no one here!' Kimber whispered against his chest.
1: "'My mom grew up here. She had hundreds of friends in this town, and no one came.'
0: We looked around, and I had to admit the turnout was sparse. A few groups of three or four people standing together, Kimber's dad, who sat in a chair opposite the room of his daughter, with his head in his hands, and a and some family I recognized from barbecues at Kimber's house. Ex-Sheriff Cleary, with his wife Grace, was there, standing with a few of my dad's deputies and talking quietly in the corner. I could see why Kimber was upset. As we waited for the service to start, I realized I'd never been to a funeral before. I wished that we'd had one for my sister, but I knew we never could, since Whitney was still legally alive. It made me sad to think that she would never be laid to rest. Only a few other funeral goers trickled in and the pastor began getting people seated for the service. I noticed the casket at the pulpit for the first time and was glad it was closed. Still, I had to wonder at the simple, unadorned, almost ugly coffin that had been chosen for Kimber's mom. I knew that the Staros had money. Quite a lot of it, actually. It was an interesting, almost insulting choice. Poor Kimber, eh? Kyle and I stood Kimber up and started over to the pews, but she stopped abruptly. I'm ready, she said and brushed the hair away from her wet face. Ta-da, ta-da. She's a man. <laughs> ready for? To leave. I can't be here anymore. It's just great to my mother. Kimber raised her head a notch and set her jaw. I knew this look, and it meant there would be no reasoning with her. Kyle and I looked at each other. This wasn't the plan. It'd be a lot more obvious that Kimmer was missing from the service, especially with
1: the low turnout. You guys go over and say what we rehearsed to my dad. Kyle, I will text you in 30 seconds. Go. Kyle nodded and started over, and I knew we weren't
0: arguing. Mr. Destaro was finally standing, looking over at the front pew reserved for him and his daughter with hesitation. Mr. Destaro, I said as we approached, I'm very sorry to hear about your wife. She was shit i forgot my lines
1: a great woman who raised a wonderful daughter kyle finished
0: yeah he spat do great women commit suicide leaving their wonderful daughters alone in the world Ah, uh, shit book <laughs> do great women jump off buildings and make spectacles of themselves and leave their families to deal with the publicity and the grief. Kyle's phone chirped. Thank God. Oh, that's Kimber. Kyle said a little too fast before he had time to actually look at his phone. Oh man, she isn't well. She says she's crying and and feeling sick. Uh, I'm gonna go help her, but peace. No! Mr. Destaro yelled so suddenly that Kyle dropped his phone on the ground where it made a loud clatter on the stone floors. Not you. You don't you don't help my daughter you don't even talk to her he can go and he pointed at me ah okay i stuttered the plan had changed too much i needed to somehow get the car keys from kyle without being seen kyle gave me a shaky subtle nod and then he and mr destaro went to sit down it was obvious kimber's dad was keeping an eye on kyle Getting the car keys from him was going to be nearly impossible. I backed into the shadows of the back room while the pastor started the service. I texted Kyle four times asking for help, but he wouldn't dare touch his phone. He just stared straight ahead, flicking worried glances at Mrs. DeStaro every few seconds. After several minutes, I went to find Kimber to see what she wanted to do, but she wasn't in our meeting spot by the back door. The plan was falling apart. I pulled out my phone and sent her a text. Where are you? Kyle is next to your dad and I can't get the keys from him. I waited in the hallway, tapping my phone against my hand nervously after a minute or two. Two. Minute or two.
1: My phone vibrated. I'm sorry. I left without you guys. I had to get out of there. I'm so sorry. I'll be back before the end of the service, I promise. Shit. Be safe. It was now imperative that I not be
0: seen. I went to the men's bathroom, locked myself in a stall, and played snake for the longest 20 minutes of my life. I knew the service wouldn't go on much longer, so I texted Kimber again. You on your way back yet? Did you find it? I sat waiting, watching the minutes tick by. I texted her again. I think the service is ending soon. Where are you? After another seven minutes of no response, I tried calling, but it went to voicemail. I tried again with the same result. I was getting nervous. I was about to try a third time when two people walked into the bathroom and my phone vibrated with a text. It was Kyle. The service was over. Kimmer has the keys. Why aren't you guys back yet? Do you find anything? I left the bathroom without washing my hands and received dirty looks from the two strangers at the urinal- urinals as the door closed behind me. I found Kyle. I feigned. Kyle, staring out the window, looking for my car. Kyle? He jumped. <laughs> Go! <laughs> Where's Kimber? What'd you guys find? I don't know. She left without me. What the fuck? Why? Where is she? I don't know, Kyle. She left without me, I reiterated. She's not answering my calls or my texts. Fuck mine either. <laughs> fuck, my, fuck your what? Kyle, what? <laughs> fuck your what?
1: That's how Kyle would say it.
0: We have to keep an eye on her dad until she gets back. We're not the only ones. Kyle said, gesturing across the room.
1: What the fuck is going on?
0: Three men were talking to Kimber's dad in the corner across the room. Chief among them was Killian Clary, who was flanked by his two former deputies. Drisking's retired sheriff had his hand on Mr. DeStaro's arm and was speaking to him in an angry, hushed tone. Kimber's dad was shaking his head and desperately objecting to something. The two deputies walked out the front door of the church, and Mr. DeStaro sagged against Killian Clary... Who sat him in a nearby chair and something was happening?
1: Call Kimber now,
0: Kyle said. I tried again and this time the call rang twice and was sent to voicemail. I ended the call and threw up my hands looking desperately at Kyle. Okay, Google, call Kimber. He said again and took out his phone. I got the same result but felt a jolt of relief when someone answered. Kyle's call. But it
1: wasn't Kimber. <gasps> it's Kyle's call though. Yeah, <clears throat> would Kyle called Phil. Son of a bitch. That's the context, man. Son of a bitch. I don't I haven't I'm too busy. I'm too busy
0: calling Kimber. That gotcha. you get out your phone and you call for a ride.
1: I say, "Hey, Google." Okay. <laughs> Phil, what part of town are you in? I need a ride, it's an emergency! I waited. Yeah man, I'm at Northridge Church! Oh, as fast as you can! Alright man, I'm with Sam, i owe you! Kyle hung up and then immediately tried Kimber's phone. Gosh, she's sending me to voicemail
0: too! We both stood at the window anxiously waiting to see Phil's silver Mazda pull up. I'm Phil and I'm Jack Black, right? (laughs) Isn't that Phil? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so I need to be Phil in every scene. Kyle chewed his lip and tapped my... I can't believe I forgot about Phil. He was the the one thing I missed from the entire recap we did. the worst character in the story. Come on, Saunders. Uh, Kyle chewed his lip and I tapped my phone. Come on, Saunders. We threw occasional looks back at Kimber's dad until Clary stood him up and ushered him, the now inconsolable man, out of the church. Suddenly, Kyle's phone chirped and we both looked down to see Kimber's name flash up on the screen. Kyle's knees nearly buckled in relief and he sagged against the wall. I found it. Kyle opened the text and furiously typed a reply. They're coming for you, Kate. We both stared at the phone waiting for a response, and just as the sun blinded us as it reflected off of Phil's approach, (coughs) Phil's approaching silver sedan, this fucking guy with his alliteration, we got one, they're here, it was the last message we got from Kimber. When Phil dropped us at the Destaro house, we found the front door unlocked and no one home. My car was sitting in the driveway unlocked with the keys in the ignition. Kyle and I drove back to the church, but the funeral was over, and the few people that had attended it were already gone. We drove back to Kimber's house again, but it was just as we'd left it, and no one was home. Kyle had lost it by this time, and was an absolute wreck. He called her so many times, I was sure he'd killed her battery. His calls went straight to voicemail, and his texts were unanswered. After an hour... After a half an hour of begging from Kyle, I finally called my dad and he answered immediately.
1: Sammy, what's wrong?
0: It's Kimber. She's gone, Dad. We looked everywhere, but her and her dad are missing. She left the funeral early and... And Killian and Clary was talking to her dad and then Samson and Greg left and I think they went to her house and they got her, Dad. I... I think they're still working for Cleary on the side or something and I think they're doing something bad and cheap
1: Whoa, 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 slow down Come by the station and let's talk I'll take a statement from you boys and I'll send a couple officers over to investigate the house right now Just calm down, Sam, we'll handle this
0: I hung up and threw my car violently into reverse, jerking the wheel to the left as I hit the end of the driveway Sam, Sam,
1: how, how do we know? How do we know we can trust the cops? How will you know? How will you know? <laughs> How will you know you, Codin? How
0: will I'm not trusting the cops. I'm trusting my dad. I said, my words sounding hopeless even to me. I turned into the sheriff's office and Kyle was out of the car as soon as I slowed down enough to park. By the time I got inside, my dad had Kyle by the shoulders and was nodding solemnly at everything Kyle <laughs> was telling him. When my dad saw me, he mentioned for an officer to take us to his office. After a few minutes, he came in and sat down across the desk from us.
1: All right, boys. I'm going to have Officer Ramirez. I'm going to change it because it's an easier name. Yeah. Officer Ramirez. Ramirez. <laughs> Ramirez, yeah. Officer Ramirez, come in in a few minutes and take a statement from you both. I want you to know that this point in time... It looks like the Destaros left town voluntarily. And that there will always be a Ramirez on every cop team ever. This is a Officer Ramirez and Officer Miller. And one has a chip on their shoulder. Kinda. Okay. No. No way, Mr. Walker. Kimber would never My Dad held up his hand for silence. Let me rephrase. Jacob Destaro left town voluntarily. Kimber is a minor and has no legal rights here. If her dad said they're leaving, then they're leaving. But she's not answering her
0: phone and we went to the house, dad. Nothing was packed.
1: Maybe they're just getting away for a while. Maybe going to relatives. I can't theorize as to why she wouldn't answer her phone, other than maybe she wants to be left alone for a while. Kyle was exasperated. But, look, I know it's hard for you to understand, but losing a family member takes a toll on a person, Sam, you know that. We don't know how people are going to grieve, and we don't have a right to. I think it's very likely that Kimber will be back by the fall for school. The fall? Sheriff Walker, that's... Two months away. You need to investigate now. Kyle, I know you're upset, and no one said we're not going to investigate thoroughly. Like you investigated
0: Whitney's disappearance thoroughly? I spat, and I didn't regret the words. Sam! He snapped with more force than I'd ever heard him
1: use. I am tired of listening to you ins... Insultate. Insulate. 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 I am tired of listening to you insulate our house. <laughs> you need to do that only when I'm at work. I know I said insulate our house, boy. Winter <laughs> is coming. You find find a better need to time. get
0: this shit warm.
1: I am tired of you... of <laughs> I am tired of listening to you insinuate that I didn't Do everything I could to find Whitney. I love your sister more than you can imagine. She's my daughter, Sammy, and I will never give her up. And what about the deputies that left at the funeral to go after her?" Kyle interrupted. My dad raised an eyebrow
0: at me. Samson and Grig. I ground out through clenched teeth. He sighed. Boys, Samson and Grig left the funeral because I sent them out on a call. I stood up violently, knocking over my chair in the process. Oh, come on, Dad! All right, enough! The sheriff slammed his hand, down on the desk, <laughs> and
1: stood up. I told you I would tell you what I know, and I have! Oh, I understand your friend is important to you, and God damn it, the Nostaros are friends of mine, too. I promise I will use the full extent of my resources to track them down and put your minds at ease, but until then, all I can offer you is the insurance that there is no sign of foul play at this time. You boys need to get off the warpath and let us handle this. Now Ramirez is waiting in the hall to take your statements, and then both of you are going home. Understood? I said nothing and glared at my dad,
0: seething with rage. Kyle stood up and walked out of the room with no emotion whatsoever. He walked past Ramirez, who is now Ramirez and has been corrected to the appropriate name without us having to type it in, and I followed him out to the car. We got in and I waited for Kyle to say something. I heard a loud sniffle and looked over at him to see his face slick with tears. It was the first time I'd ever seen Kyle (laughs) cry, but not the last. (laughs) It's the first time I ever looked at this guy. It's the first time I've ever seen Kyle. (laughs) It's the
1: first time i I've ever seen Kyle. (laughs) He's lying.
0: He whispered. I just shook my head. I didn't know what to believe. Kyle turned his face away from me. I know he's lying.
1: Something bad has happened. He's lying about it.
0: What? What happened? I heard more sniffling as (laughs) Kyle tried to collect himself. Dude, fucking talk to me. What do you think happened? Kimber's gone like all the others. So she's at the place where bad things happen. I punched the steering wheel. How the fuck had this happened? Not Kimber. Please, not Kimber. Was all of this because of me? Had her mother killed herself because of something I'd done? Something we'd found out? Was Kimber taken because of me? If I thought for one minute that that was true, I knew I would crack into tiny pieces. No. Not Kimber. No. Yes, yeah, Sam, fucking think about it. Kyle yelled at me.
1: It's the treehouse. It's all the same. Baraska, the skin men, the triple tree, your sister, the mountain. It's all fucking same. It's Prescott Empire, and now Kimber has been fucking consumed by it.
0: Where do we go? I could feel the warm tears of my own desperation and hopelessness sliding down my cheeks. What? W- what, what do we do? What do we fucking do? Kyle threw his hands up in frustration.
1: We have to go to Ambercoat, right? It all starts and ends at the triple tree, Sam. Surely you figured that out. We've been to the tree house a million times,
0: Kyle. There's nothing there.
1: I don't know where I let the fuck else to go, Sam. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I jumped as someone tapped on the window oh. of the car and wiped the tears off my face. I rolled down the window as Officer Greg leaned down and looked into the car. You
1: boys move along home, all right. "'Yep,'
0: I said, and turned the key in the ignition. Officer Grigg waved us Okay. (laughs) as we pulled out of the parking lot, but we didn't wave back. "'Bye, boys.' "'The treehouse,' Kyle said. "'We drove in silence, both of us trying desperately to get a hold of ourselves. "'If we're going to be of any help to Kimber, we needed to be calm enough to think logically.' I parked in the space next to the trailhead and saw several bikes tied to the post as we made our way up to the West Rim Prescott Ore Trail. We passed Parker and a couple of his friends coming down it. I nodded to him, but Kyle said nothing, just stared up the trail, reaching for the only place he knew to go. It was almost dark by the time we got to Ambercot, and there was little light left to search for whatever Kyle hoped to find. It took half an hour in the darkness before I finally convinced Kyle that there was nothing there to help Kimber. And though we didn't speak of it, I knew that he and I were both painfully aware of all the sounds of the night. We were scared. Terrified down to our very bones. That we would hear the piercing, scraping, grinding, and metal screams of the monster at Baraska that we'd become so accustomed to over the years. We both dreaded it, prayed it would not come, and we did not speak of it. I dropped Kyle at home and promised we would find Kimber tomorrow. Okay, so here's the real question. If you knew your <laughs> friend was missing, would you not at least try to go
1: figure it out? No. You really wouldn't? Depends on the friend. Depends on what day it is. If it's, Is it like a Tuesday? Because I would yeah, I would say like, I would yeah. So... If it was a, if I could get a class, if it was a Monday, Wednesday, or Friday, yeah. But if it was like a Saturday, you were gonna take my Saturday from me to like look for somebody's like body, no, mm-hmm. or like someone alive, whatever. No. So there's
0: like there's a there's a myth in your town that these these crazy ass noises come down from the mountains. Yup. Um, many people have disappeared. Yup. And and I go missing.
1: <laughs> yup. You, what's your question
0: you don't come up to the noise in the mountains to try and find me
1: man it depends do <laughs> I have more than six hours to watch Netflix because you're not gonna see me I'd climb, but if I have worked I'd that climb day the
0: mountains for you Django
1: if I if I worked that day I'd be like yeah I would call my work at like 10 o'clock really early in the morning get an early start 10 o'clock 10.30. I'd bring some gorilla bars and yeah I would go find you yeah absolutely of course I dropped Kyle at home and promised we
0: would find Kimber tomorrow. I swore we would. He gave me nothing more than a shallow nod and disappeared inside his house. My dad was waiting for me in the kitchen when I got home a few minutes later and I didn't look at him and walked over to the fridge realizing I hadn't eaten all day.
1: Sammy, sit down. I want to apologize for today.
0: I took out some chicken
1: and cheese... And went to the pantry for bread. I know you're scared. And I know that a lot has been going on you can't exactly relate to. He sighed. Anne Anne had been depressed for a good long while, Sam, over twenty years. That'll weigh on a person. I ignored him and continued
0: making my sandwich. I was dying inside, wondering if I could even trust the man I'd call my dad my entire life. my My
1: entire Life. She was suffering, Sam, and sometimes people who suffer that deeply don't know of any other way out. She knew her depression was hurting her husband and her daughter. And maybe she mistakenly thought she was doing them a favor. Mom's depressed. I said without taking my eyes from my task. He sighed. Your mother is coping okay. And this was very different, Sam. Kimber's mom had been depressed since she was in her 20s. Early in her marriage, Anne suffered multiple miscarriages. Infertility can be very hard on some couples, and not even Kimber's birth could totally ease her pain.
0: Dad, with all due respect, I'm tired and I'm going to bed. Kyle and I are getting up early to look for Kimber. I threw the knife in the sink with a loud clang and turned to look at my dad for the first time. Please tell me you're still trying to find Kimber. The sheriff stood up from the kitchen table, looking as tired and disheveled as I felt. I promise, Sammy. And I finally believed him. The next morning, when I pulled up to Kyle's house, Parker came out to meet me. Hey, Parker. I said when I rolled down the window and cool morning air
1: wafted in. Kyle's not here. He left around five. So my dad's truck. <laughs> He's pissed. So you better go.
0: Thanks, man. I said, and then rolled up the window and took off down the street. I drove around all morning looking for Kyle and calling his cell, but he just... He didn't pick up until around noon. Sorry, man. I couldn't sleep. Kyle sounded a bit more stable than yesterday.
1: That's cool. Where are you at? I don't know. Exactly. Uh, A rare spot where I'm getting service? You in the woods? Yeah. She's out here, Sam. Somewhere in these mountains. I can feel it. I know it. Alright, well, let me meet you. Alright, just come down to the West Rim Trail, and I'll meet you there.
0: I was only five minutes away, so I arrived before Kyle had time to get down the mountain. Mr. Landy's red Dodge Ram was parked haphazardly in a no-parking zone, and I figured it would probably be towed by the time we got back. I doubted Kyle cared at this point, though. I crossed my arms and leaned against my car as I waited for him, staring up the dirty, red trail and impatience, and when Kyle Kyle finally showed half an hour later, he was covered in sweat and dirt and dejection. So? I said, pushing up off the car.
1: No, nothing, man.
0: Alright, well, let's keep searching. We hiked miles and miles of the mountain that day, but we didn't find any sign of human life. And for the next few days, if the sun was out, so were we. Kyle was growing more and more desperate, crossing onto private property to look for logging equipment and mapping out the county's many mines to search the abandoned buildings. But the mountain was big and the needle buried deep in the haystack. And as the day slipped away, so did Kyle's sanity. Every time I saw my dad, he would give me a sober look and promise me that they were still looking. It seemed to me that even he was growing concerned. The Destaro house remained as cold and empty as the space between the stars above it. On the eleventh night of our Kimberless existence, I was awoken out of troubled sleep by the piercing, whirling, screeching sound of death at Baraska. I cried myself back to sleep to the tortured sounds of Kyle's own agony next door. We had failed her. Kimber was dead.
1: Shit! Well, that's sad. That's how, part, do they, that's how do they part know three. it's Kimber? How do they know Kimber's dead? There's no someone to is dead. True. Is Kimber the only person in Brasca right now?
0: It's the only person missing.
1: Yeah. Except for mm. Whitney.
0: No, the dad. The dad is also missing. The dad and Whitney and... I assume five years had passed, so Whitney is absolutely dead.
1: What if she's not, though?
0: I'd be open to it, but my assumption she's is that She's not. dead. This is part four.
1: When I pulled up to his house the next morning, I could tell Kyle had cracked. His skin had taken on a yellowed color, and his voice was flat and void of emotion. It's not over yet, Kyle, I said as he dropped into the seat next to me. Yes, it is, Sam. He all but whispered. Yes, it is, Sam. No, I don't believe that. Kimber's dad is missing, too, you know. Maybe it was him instead that was, you know, that was, I couldn't bring myself to say it. We're living in hell. Drisking. It's hell in our own reality. I couldn't disagree. The town I'd grown to love seems so foreign to me now. Whitney hadn't been an outlier like I thought. Missing people were the norm here. And that would make Jimmy Prescott the king. He's Satan himself. As soon as the words were out of my mouth, Kyle punched the car door, awakening from his dead state with rageful vigor. I'll fucking kill Jimmy
0: Prescott. Where is that motherfucker? You know, he's involved in
1: all of this, Sam. You know? Maybe partially, I said, staring out the window. His dad created the town that bred this shit, but I'm pretty sure the Prescots are just running drugs. You know, the, the powder. It's actually you, like, talking.
0: Yeah, and so what? He's recruiting people to be... To be drug mules or something?
1: Maybe. I agreed for Kyle's sake, though I didn't really believe it. The sound, of the great beast machine of Baraska gave off the distinct stench of death, and though I knew that physically that was impossible, it didn't change my mind about it. The air smelled different after the metallic wailing ended. We drove over to 4th Street Gourmet Coffee and Bakery and went in to buy our usual provisions of rock stars and monsters. As I paid for the four-pack of cans, I saw Mira waiting on coffee at the end of the bar. I could tell immediately that she was in a good mood, something I hadn't seen much of since I started working for her. It was probably a good time to tell her I was calling out of work for my fifth day in a row. Hi, Mira, I muttered when I approached. Ah, shoot, I can't come in again today. I got uh, some really important diary- Sam! Oh my gosh, how are you? Um, (laughs) okay. I stuttered. Good! She said brightly
0: Don't worry about coming in I'll hold down the fort And I'm sure I could call Emmeline And if I need help uh, Emmeline is the, the name of the chick That, uh, that he, chick. he wants to fuck yeah, real, you're right. real hard You're right. But really Sam What have you been up to lately that's so important
1: My mind blinked Just as I started to stutter out some bullshit About helping my dad Kyle appeared behind me We're trying to find Baraska he said with all the gravitas of a eulogy.
0: Uh, yes. Oh, and told me you'd asked him about that. You know, that's just a story, Sam. That that legend has been around since I was a kid.
1: Yeah, uh, well, we're looking for our missing friend, Kimber. We think maybe she's there. I trailed off lamely.
0: Oh, really? I thought I heard that the Destaros were staying with relatives in Maine over the summer... Oh, well,
1: anyway, good luck, boys. Thanks. Kyle's voice was sour, but I knew his patience was thin. When we got back into the car, we each popped open a can of Rockstar and started chugging. Oh, fuck yeah. I knew better than to ask Kyle if he wanted to smoke, since I was sure he hadn't lit a bulb since before Kimber disappeared.
0: I want to be fucking vigilant, man. I need to
1: be... <laughs> I need to stay vigilant, We're going to find this chick. Man. Please it Alright so I'll have a little bit <laughs> He finished the energy drink in under a minute And crumpled the can in his hand Fuck you I don't like your boss He said Amira Why not I don't know She's just Off <laughs> Well I mean she's been going through some things I wasn't going to elaborate any further
0: Why were you asking her husband about Baraska anyway
1: I don't know I was just making a small talk and I thought he might know. He seemed to know about a lot of other things. Did he know? Nah. I took a long gulp of the sour drink and then choked on it when I remembered something Owen had said. Uh, well, actually, yeah. <coughs> he said, a Baraska, instead of just barasca. You know, like it's a thing instead of a place. Kyle lowered his rock star. And is it? Is it what? Is it a thing? I don't know. I've never heard of it. I googled everything weird about this town, but nothing ever came up.
0: Did you spell it right?
1: I don't know. I shrugged. Do you know how to spell it? No. I pulled out my phone. No, fuck Google. Kyle said.
0: We need to talk to
1: Catherine Scanlon, that's what Kimber would say. He was right. Catherine Scanlon may be the most knowledgeable person in town, and was probably the right person to ask. I pulled out a 4th Street Coffee and prayed she was at her office already. When we parked in front of Drisking Arts and Antiques, I was disappointed to see that the store was dark. Kyle pointed to a small cheap open sign hanging in a corner of the door, and I crossed my fingers that it was for Catherine's office. I was relieved to find the door unlocked, and we hurried past all the antiquities and blown glass to the back of the store, where we found an open door and Catherine sitting at her desk. She was long-legged, blonde, 6'2", confident with the air of an older woman. She greeted us with lips slightly apart. Oh, oh I didn't see you there. I got lost in thought. Well, anyway, thanks for saying what's us tonight. Get this pasta, pasta Dad.
0: <laughs> I was getting another cider.
1: Uh, you know, if it's cold.
0: Verasca brought to you by Cider Boys Hard Cider. We're the Cider Boys. Welcome cider. to the podcast. Get yourself fucked up. <laughs> Where are you?
1: All the way at the end of the program. <clears throat> Boys! She stood up when she saw us.
0: You're up quite early for summer break. How did the essay go? Uh,
1: great, I said. Actually, we're here for more help. Personal interest, Cal added. Catherine raised her eyebrows.
0: Collar me impressed.
1: I need to get right down to it. If by some small chance Kimber was still alive, then every second counted... We're here because we want to know if Baraska is a thing or a place. Catherine raised her eyebrow. I remember
0: that legend. Oh, yep, I did the thing.
1: Catherine raised her eyebrow.
0: I remember that legend as a kid. I'd actually have to tell you I didn't know if it wasn't for Wyatt. He knew so little about so much. She laughed. A sort of jack of all trades. (laughs) Oh, he knew. He knew just how to
1: yeah, just out so, like, of though.
0: Women. Anyway, he told me an interesting fact once about Baraska. It's, it's both. <gasps> what do you mean? I leaned over her desk. Well, the term Baraska is just old, outdated lexicon. The word was used by miners to describe an underperforming mine. <sighs> A mine. I whispered. Kyle shook his head. Ka- Kyle shook Fuck his head.
1: that shit. <laughs> Kyle shook his head.
0: We've been looking at mines.
1: So, all the mines in Butler County are Baraskas? I asked.
0: Well, generally, it's only the first mine in the system to run dry. That is called a Baraska. Yeah. Do you know which mine ran dry first? In, in our mining
1: system? Kyle asked from where he stood near the door, repeatedly clenching and unclenching his fists.
0: Uh... Not off the top of my head, no. She
1: laughed. I can look,
0: though. I think I have those records here somewhere.
1: Catherine walked behind her desk and opened a drawer of loose files.
0: This is an odd thing to be interested in for boys your age, but I guess I should just be glad you two are here, so eager to learn, especially over the summer. Yes, ma'am. Very eager. Said Kyle sensually. Is the Baraska the first mine that ran out of ore, um... Was that, by chance, the same one those kids disappeared in? The McCaskies? Oh, no, I don't think so. That particular mine was the Southwest mine and was very close to town. I think it was one of the last to close, actually. Ah, here we go.
1: This package should have that information. Catherine spent far too long moving books around on the desk to make room for the stack of papers she had. Kyle and I paced around the room, nervously, trying to appear casually interested in this chick while the energy drink started coursing through our systems.
0: Here we go. The first mine to close was the North Central Mine, which was yeah, actually one of the first to open.
1: But where is it? Kyle walked over the desk and braced his arms on it. Where is that mine? Um, Catherine pulled over a different stack of papers and started to fumble through it. After the longest minute of my life, she made an aha uh-huh sound. And pulled out a large yellow piece of paper That had been folded into a standard A4 size The sexiest size of paper Mm. She unfolded it on the desk And leaned over to read the markings I could see from where I was standing Near the doorway That it was a map And I knew we weren't living in this office without it I knew we weren't We weren't leaving this office without it We weren't living in this office without it I knew we weren't leaving this office without it
0: Let's see, that mine was up further on the mountain, a little harder to get to, see?
1: And she pointed at a small dot on the map that was at least four miles from where we'd been looking. Can we take this? Kyle asked.
0: (laughs) We'll bring it back. Of course, I'm I'm sure I have copies. Listen, if you boys are
1: going exploring... I'm breaking my dad. I lied.
0: Oh, excellent, then. You guys have fun.
1: She yelled at us as we rushed out of the building. Have fun! (laughs) We didn't stop to answer her. Fun was far from our minds. It's it's
0: so far from where we've been looking. Kyle stuttered. We need to go there now, and we need to get a gun. A gun? Where are we going to get a gun, Kyle? From you, Dad. <laughs> no. From you, Dad. Where did you get that gun? From you, Dad. <laughs> I got, it, got from it from you. you. He's not going to give us a gun, man. Fine, then let's scout the place first, and then
1: we'll come back with a gun. That didn't seem like a good <laughs> idea to me either, but what choice did we have? After studying the map for several minutes, we realized the easiest way to access the mine was still through the West Rim Prescott Ore Trail. We parked at the trailhead and made the familiar hike down the marked trail and then up the beaten path, realizing that we'd have to travel past Ambercott Fort on the way back. And I knew in my heart that we were going the right way. We were walking the same path. That so many people before us had on their way to Baraska. But what had they found there? Death! We passed the treehouse, which was as silent as the morning.
0: Oh, so it's all a metaphor for death. <laughs> oh, there is no, uh. What story is that? Urin Town. There is no urin town. Urin Town isn't a thing, it's a metaphor
1: for killing people. For hell. No, for being murdered. We walked on in the woods. Forth- further, further north, We walked out in the woods, further north than we had ever been before, and soon we were flying blind, hiking in the general direction of the dot on the map and hoping we were still on course. Within an hour, I began regretting that we come without provisions, emotional and unprepared. By noon, we had been hiking for four hours, and it seemed to me we were lost. I tempered the willing panic with thoughts of Kimber and Whitney and the answers to the mystery that absorbed my life for so many years. Kyle, for his part, said nothing, and kept his eyes straight and his mission his priority. And then just as the sun teetered on the apex of the day. We saw an emptiness through the trees and the hard lines of man-made buildings. Kyle quickened his step, and I rushed to keep up. When we finally broke through the tree line, I choked on my own deep breath and fell back against the tree as I looked over the quiet encampment. A large wooden signpost that was almost as long as the entire clearing was still standing near the entrance of the mine. It had to be a century old, and though most of the letters had rotted off over the years, from those remaining, I could guess that it had once said, Drisking underground mind. What was left, however, was
0: Skin-ind-do. Skin and Min. S K I N M D M I N.
1: Skin man. That way. Kyle pointed the north end of the camp. We stepped out from the shadows and into the vulnerability of the clearing. There were several large buildings still standing, and the boarded-up entrance to the ore mine was set back in the mountain. We're not getting in there, I whispered. (laughs) Let's try that building, he said, and pointed towards the one nearby, which was the largest and at least two stories tall. We counted to three and then ran across the camp to the large wooden doors of the old building. They were cracked open, and when we squeezed inside, I had no doubts that death was indeed present in Baraska. We were sitting in what I guess was a refinery, and in the middle of the room was a large, silver, conically shaped machine. A conveyor belt fed it into the room, and the room had a sour smell. Even the dirt beneath our feet seemed to have taken on a crimson tint. This is the machine. This is where they take them, I said. This is the place where people die. Kimber isn't here. Come on. I was only too happy to squeeze back out of the door of the building and tiptoe around the side. We rounded a corner and almost ran into a recently waxed, shiny green truck parked there. <gasps> this is Jimmy Prescott's truck, I breathed. I know whose truck it is, Kyle growled. We were now on extraordinarily high alert. Kyle dropped to the ground and began to commando crawl around the building. I followed him, waiting to hear a shout or a gunshot, but none came. As we crawled around to the back of the building, Kyle turned around to me and put his finger over his lips, and then pointed at a one-story brown building that was only a dozen feet away from us. He got into a crouched position and moved as fast as he could across the gap between the two buildings. I did the same. As soon as I reached the wall next to him, Kyle whirled around and put another finger to his lips, and then pointed up to a window directly above us. There were noises coming from inside, and even to me, a 16-year-old virgin, the sounds of sex were unmistakable. We can hear an animalistic grunting and the tired, objecting groans of an old mattress. Unable to help myself, I whispered, what the fuck, to Kyle, but he was already gone. What the fuck? All caution abandoned, running around the side of the building. I followed him in through the first door we came upon and was hit in the face by an invisible wall of filth and suffering. The smell knocked me back, but Kyle kept running. I followed him in, past crates of ramen noodles, MREs, bottled water, and boxes I had no time to read. I crossed another threshold and I was suddenly surrounded by people. So many people. I skidded to a halt and realized I was standing in a sort of dorm. Rows and rows of beds on either side of me were people strapped to them, some of them wearing dirty rags and some wearing nothing at all. Many seemed to be bloated and I waited for one to call out to me but they all remained silent, some watching me through tired dead eyes and others turning away. Looking around I realized they were all women and the bloating I saw seemed to be pregnancies. Some were confined to their beds, and others were not. I looked around the room for Kyle and saw him standing a little further in the long room, looking back at me with the same confused, wild expression I was sure was on my face. I saw the realization cross his and called out to him, but he was already running again. I lost him before I had taken five steps to follow. I figured it was probably just best to keep running, spread out, and look for Kimber. I didn't see her in this room, and I was sure she would have called out to us if she was. I looked around for another door and I saw one cracked open on my left behind a row of beds. I stared straight at it as I made my way there, desperate to avoid the wretched, void eyes of the woman around me. First we helped Kimber, and then we helped the others. I will come back and help you all, I promise, as soon as I find Kimber. Without a thought, I pushed the door wide open as soon as I reached it and found the source of the noises we would heard outside. It was Jimmy, something I had been expecting to see. But the scene before me was not. He was hunched over the bed of an almost unrecognizable, unresponsive Christie, treating her like an animal. She watched me through the slits of her dead eyes, but she didn't call for me to help. I thought I saw a tear run down her cheek before she turned her face away from me to face the wall on the other side. What the fuck? I didn't even realize the words were audible. I had never seen this depth of human suffering. Jimmy's head snapped around me to look at me and briefly registered surprise before he smiled in a way that turned my insides to ice. He didn't stop what he was doing, and I wanted nothing more than run over and push him off Christy, but to my utter shame, I couldn't force myself to come any farther into the room. Sam! Sam! Kyle's voice echoed through the building, and immediately cured me of my paralysis. I found myself running back into the miner's dorm and away from Jimmy Prescott and Christy. Kyle! Back here, hurry! Please, I fucking- I found Kimber! I followed his voice through the maze of beds and rooms as a cacophony of voices began to follow me.
0: Help us-
1: Peace. There were maybe a handful of girls yelling at me, but it sounded thunderously loud as it filtered through my guilt. The weight of their misery dropped down upon me and it almost pushed me to the ground. Oh, I will. I'll get help. I'll help you. I promised them as I followed Kyle's voice, <laughs> still screaming desperately from an adjacent room. I sprinted across another threshold and saw him hunched down near a corner bed, helplessly yanking on a leather strap attached to it. I slammed into the bed and fell to my knees, trying to work out what he was doing and how I could help him. I tried not to look at the bed because I knew I couldn't see her like that. I couldn't bear it. If Kimber looked at me through the same accusing empty eyes as Christy and the others had, I might lay down on the ground beneath her and curl up into a ball. Go around the other side and buckle the other two straps. Kyle had the high-pitched voice and wild, desperate eyes of madness. (laughs) I ran around the other side and did, did as he did with shaking awkward hands. Oh, boys... Jimmy's voice rang out from somewhere in the building. i just freed Kimber's ankle and was working on her wrist. She whimpered when she heard him and buried her face in my shoulder. Do you
0: think you're hiding? I know where to find you. I know right where I put that girl. I'll fucking kill you, Prescott, you sick cunt. I'll fucking stomp all your bones and bleed you out, you little
1: motherfucker. Kyle lost all reason and strategy. It was filled with rage instead of fear and it scared me even more i pulled kimber's wrist from the final strap and yelled go now we pulled kimber up off the bed and quickly realized that her legs could barely support her she was heavily sedated and breathing weakly we braced her on your side and moved as quickly as we could through the nearest doorway away from jimmy we were in another dorm this one was filled with mostly empty beds i could see sunlight shining through the door at the end of the long room and we raced toward it as kimber made little cries of pain I didn't think my heart could break anymore, but I was wrong, because in the next moment, it did. I almost dropped Kimber when I saw her staring at me. Her eyes were hollow Fuck. and uninvested, and when I turned toward her, she looked away immediately, as if she couldn't stand in sight of me. Whitney, I said weakly. Sam, let's fucking go, Cal screamed. I can't. I turned towards him as tears ran down my hot cheeks, and Cal saw her, too. I can't, I can't, I can't stay. Kyle said, still moving towards the door. I have to get Kimber away from here, please. But he knew I wasn't going anywhere now. Good luck, bro, I said. And then we were both running in different directions. Whitney's hair was long, but it was thin, as was her face. Everything on her looked brittle except for her stomach, which bubbled out from her like an overblown balloon. She refused to look at me and flinched at my touch as I tried desperately to unbuckle her from the bed. I hadn't even finished the first belt when I heard Jimmy walk up behind me. I didn't bother to look at him or stop trying to free my sister, I didn't know what else to do. I admire your grit, kid. Jimmy said and then sat down on bed behind me, continuing to watch me, giving no objection to what I was doing. You
0: probably think your friends got away, but there's no sense in false hope, is there?
1: There's no sense in any of this. My voice sounded frail and it cracked at the last word. Oh no, no, you're, you're wrong about that. Jimmy sighed.
0: But just so you know, I've got Cleary out there looking for them already. People making a lot of noise coming down off this mountain. Trust me on that.
1: Sheriff Cleary? I was desperate to keep him talking. Anything to keep him from trying to stop me.
0: Oh, yeah. You know, he was supposed to retire from the business, but unlike the previous sheriff, he kept a few
1: horses in the race. Horses? Nothing could sense. Yep. Jimmy slopped the bed next to him We call these buildings the stables (laughs) He laughed I dropped the last buckle on the floor and looked down at Whitney I expected her to spring up and run towards the door While I went after Prescott But all she did was rub her wrists and itch her collarbone Then she put her arms back where they'd been Turned her head away from me and shut her eyes I slumped down on the bed next to her And pricked up her cold hand If she wasn't leaving here, neither was I It was over I sent a silent purr up to a guy I didn't didn't know and wished my friend safety.
0: Do you want to know what this is, Sam?
1: I shrugged. Didn't seem to matter now. It's all about the babies. I stared down at Whitney and her swollen belly, but gave no indication I was listening.
0: You wouldn't believe how much money is in the industry. I mean, my dad was a smart man. And he knew we didn't have anything of value to sell, and back then the Prescotts were dirt poor, out-of-work miners just like everyone else in town. He first got the idea when he sold my older brother to pay off for legal fees to fight the city. I mean, some people will pay five figures for a newborn, you know, even back then. And the organizations that buy them, well... They buy in bulk, but we still make a killing off of them, and our overhead is
1: very low. Jimmy stood up and pulled a gun out of his waistband, and then threw it on a bed across the aisle. You know, try
0: to understand, Sammy. It's not just about the money we use the stables for community services, too. Lots of people in town come to us, you know, ever since the 50s.
1: I couldn't take it anymore. I didn't want to be here, listening to this. I didn't want to see Whitney so broken, and I didn't want to wait for inevitable death. It was torture in its purest form. What are you waiting for? Why don't you just kill me? This isn't a James Bond movie. I don't care about any of this shit. Jimmy laughed loudly, as if it was the funniest thing he'd ever heard. (laughs)
0: Kill you? Christ, kid. If I could, then I already would have, but I'm not allowed to kill you. I've been trying to decide if I want to fuck your sister right in front of you, though. She's not one of mine, but it might be
1: worth it just to see your face. Just just kill me and let her go. Fuck, I'll kill myself if you let her go. I stood up from the bed and Jimmy took two steps toward me and punched me so hard in the face I fell back down. I moaned as I fought the tears and stars behind my eyes. I can't let her go, you
0: little fuck. She got one of our community service's babies in her. Grace says she's got another week to go, two tops. Jimmy looked down at Whitney and frowned. She's been putting out shit babies, though. And as soon as this one's out... She's got a date with the shiny gentleman.
1: What the fuck does that mean? I yelled at him, and a loud ring suddenly filled the room. Jimmy held up a finger and pulled the phone out of his pocket.
0: I gotta take a business call. Two minutes, and we can get back to our conversation.
1: Jimmy walked over to corner of the room, and I started to desperately pull on Whitney. We gotta go. We gotta go. Wait. We can't stay here. She kept her eyes shut and her body locks. Whitney, they're gonna kill you. My head whipped towards the door as I heard a truck skid in the dirt just outside. Jimmy ended his phone call and Killing Clary walked in, pushing a limping, bloody Kyle in front of him. Lose something, Prescott? Where's the girl? Couldn't find her.
0: God damn it, Clary, you fucked us. Go back out there and find that girl. Jimmy
1: snatched the gun off the bed and shoved it back into his waistband.
0: Now listen here, you little shit, Clary growled. I ain't your fucking employee, and I don't have all fucking day to play and hide and seek in the woods. I'm telling you, she wasn't with him, so I guess it. If you want to know where she is, you should just get it out of him. Cleary threw Kyle down
1: on the floor and spit near his feet. I gotta do your fucking job now. Jimmy walked over, and without any hesitation, kicked Kyle so hard in the ribs I heard some of them snap inside his chest. I tried to stand up, but I was still dizzy and fighting off the darkness. Where's your girlfriend, Landy?" Prescott raised his boot and then stomped down hard on Kyle's ankle. He screamed in pain. I can do this all day, kid. Clary sat down on a bed across the aisle and lit a cigarette, watching him passively. Jimmy pulled Kyle to his feet and then punched him hard in the face. A few of Kyle's teeth scattered across the floor. Tell me, you little cunt! Jimmy punched him again in the face and Kyle lip. You're killing him! I screamed and jumped off the bed, running blindly towards Jimmy in a red rage. Clary stood up and caught me with no effort at all, holding my arms down to my side. He laughed, cigarettes still tucked in the corner of his mouth as I struggled helplessly against his chest. Jimmy had straddled Kyle by now and was rapidly punching him in the face and chest. Kyle was barely conscious, and I prayed he'd pass out from the pain. After a full minute of this, Jimmy stood up and rubbed his bloody fists. Last chance, Landy. Fuck you, Kyle said through a wheezing, rattled breath of air. Jimmy spat on him and raised his foot up as high as he could and brought it down on Kyle's face with so much force I heard his skull break. I sagged in killing Clary's arms and he dropped me into a puddle at his feet. Jimmy bummed a cigarette off Clary and then stood stood next to Whitney's bed watching me cry. Jesus, what a mess. After a few minutes, Clary flicked his cigarette and pulled out his phone. All right, Sam, take your friend. I couldn't have heard him right. Fuck that.
0: That little landy shit ain't leaving here. You want to clean this mess up, Prescott?"
1: I stood up and my knees didn't buckle beneath me. I'm not leaving without my sister, I told him. Jimmy laughed. Yes, you are, Clary said.
0: If you want to save your friend's life, he ain't dead yet, Sam, but he will be soon. He tossed his keys at me. The road off this mountain is backed by the refinery.
1: I let the keys bounce off me and fall to the floor. Clary swore at me. Fucking piece of shit. I knew he was right. I was a coward and I would leave my sister and all the others here just so I could get away and save Kyle's life. I picked up the keys and then, without looking at the two men, I picked Kyle up by his shoulders and his head rolled back as if it was no longer attached to his spine. His face was a collage of pulp and blood, and I struggled to stay calm and breathe as I dragged him out of the building. Clary and Prescott watched me, taking drags off their cigarettes and saying nothing. I knew they were probably lying to me. Kyle would be dead by the time I got down to the mountain if he wasn't already. I opened the door to clear his old Ford and placed Kyle on the front seat, watching as his head rolled around like a ball on a string. It took me almost an hour to get down to the mountain. Even though I took the overgrown road at ridiculous speeds and did everything I could to destroy the shocks in the truck, I sped in the hospital's emergency zone and found a medical team waiting inside the door. It was clear that they would gotten a call to expect me because they already had a crash cart with them and an IV ready to push into Kyle's wrist. I left Clary's truck where it was and spent the next two hours in the waiting room, calling my dad over and over again and crying over an Architectural Digest magazine. I would say at that point, just put it down, right? If you're just going to sob. But I really just want to see the, the, the crossword puzzle. Just put it down. Just put the magazine down. No one came to take a statement from me or ask me any questions. Cal's mom arrived just before my dad did and started screaming as soon as she saw me. My dad walked in behind her and had a deputy restrainer. He drove me home in silence, but I couldn't take for long. Is anyone going to file a police report? Does anyone even fucking care what happened? Sam. He didn't turn to look at me. I'm
0: doing my best to do damage control on the situation, but if Kyle dies or his parents sue, there's nothing I can do to keep you out of court. You think I did this? I screamed at him. We're not what? going to tell your mother, all right? She has enough to worry about.
1: Dad, it's... It was fucking Prescott and Sheriff Clary.
0: Yes, you arrived at the hospital in Killian's truck. We already talked to them both.
1: I was so frustrated and full of rage that my next words came out a jumbled, stuttering mess that ended in a helpless scream. We pulled into our driveway and my dad turned off the car and fairly turned to look at me as I struggled to catch my breath.
0: Samuel, we will never speak of this again, do you understand?
1: Are you fucking kidding me, Dad? Kyle might fucking die. I saw Kimber with her Vajuj enough
0: if you want this to go away you will keep your mouth shut about it make no statements to anyone and I'll hire the best lawyer I can afford to clean up your mess I don't know why you beat your best friend almost to death and frankly I don't want to
1: you fuck you I screamed at him and threw open the door with the cruiser I ran then away from him and the house on my broken life he didn't come after me not that day or any other since everyone in town thought I was a violent thug, no one would let me stay with them when I called around. I eventually went for a motel, far outside of town, and drained the last of my savings from work paying for the room. I went back to pick up my car from the trailhead, but it was gone, and I hoped it was Kimber who had it in an tow yard. I read the paper every morning for some mention about Kyle's condition. I saw the Daily's birth announcement about ten days later. They just had a son they named William. The whirling, twirling, shiny gentleman lit up the valley with its stench and song of death that night. It was the last time I ever heard it. I stayed in Drisking long after the money had run out, and I was sleeping on the concrete behind a motel. I stayed until Kyle was released from the hospital, a mute, empty-eyed, soulless vegetable. I went to see him once, while only Parker was home, and threatened him until he had me inside the house. When I had assured myself that the Kyle I knew was dead and only his empty husk remained, I left his house and hitchhiked out of town, and after I spent four drunken, drug-fueled years in Chicago, I came home one day to find a letter waiting for me. It didn't have a return address, but it was postmarked California. I knew it was from her before I even picked it up. She had written so many of my assignments for me that I knew Kimmer's handwriting better than my own. Inside was a letter. The letter. I read it only once many years ago, until I sat down to just transcribe it today. Mike Kimber I know you aren't going to understand why we did What we did It was all born out of love At least it started that way You're everything to me and you'll always be my daughter Do you understand? And I'm leaving this world because of what I've done to you Not because of who you are I don't want you to be upset about what you are Not Uh, because of what what you you are, are Because that will become important Because that is going to be important And I'm leaving this world because of what I've done to you not because of what you are. I don't want you to be upset about what you are, because who you are is beautiful. My dearest, this town has done terrible things, and all of us who live here are guilty. Read this letter and leave this place. I need to tell you all this, I need to start at the beginning. Somewhere along the way, decades ago, the major population of Drisking became unbearable to bear children. Most people blame the town for letting the iron ore leak into our water table during the collapsing of our mines. This is the same water table that still provides the town's water today. They were never quite able to fix it, and the ore is toxic, and exposure causes infertility. The town did, and still does, suffer greatly from its effects. And the prescotts they solved the problem that no one else could solve. It was an ugly, crass solution, but most people were happy to look away when they were able to raise families again. You see, they took girls, mostly women from other places, and they impregnated them and gave us their babies. Mm-hmm. They impregnated them, gave us the babies, and the town came under the care of Thomas Prescott when he started to sell some of the babies on the side for a profit to rich couples. And the sheriff, he helped him do this, but then an ugly rumor started that they were selling to human traffickers, and the Prescotts had to offer, tri- offer triple the price for girls. And in the town, we began to murmur. But we once again turned the other cheek when the city was suddenly flooded with money because of how well the traffickers paid. People had well-paying jobs again and were proud to call Drisking at home. So we said nothing, and those that did were taken to the mountain. Because that's where they do it. There is a place in the mountain where the women are taken, Kimber, drifters, runaways, and if their parents choose it, sometimes the girls in town aren't even sold back. They arrange to sell the girls and they meet them at the tree halfway between our town and their baby mill. Sometimes kids play there now. I think... You played there. The Prescotts and the Sheriff are the ones who impregnate the girls and the children are named after them. P children for the Prescotts and K children for the Sheriff. And then when the women become too sick or too old to deliver profitable babies they are sent through a giant machine that was used to refine ore and their bodies are crushed and the blood and skin stripped away and what remains of them and their stolen children and the dust of their bones. And all that's left of their bodies is the powder that they spread over the mountain to hide our crimes. Why? That's so not... uh, It's so stupid. (laughs) I'm telling you this, Kimber. Because you are one of those children. Oh, the K-names. The K-names.
0: Kyle. uh, Killian Clary.
1: Killian Clary.
0: So her father is Killian
1: (laughs) Clary. Yeah. No, K-names for the... Oh, yeah. No, yeah. No. Yeah. Most of your friends are one of those children. Please get out of Drisking before your father finds this letter. Run away and never come back and never speak of it to anyone. Their industry has deep roots now and the traffickers have lofty connections. Don't tell anyone. Don't keep this letter. Don't look back. I'm, I love you. I'm sorry I have to leave you. We all have to answer for our sins and I'm ready to burn in hell for mine. Love always and forever. Mom. <laughs> wow, what a so nice letter! Um, that's so stupid.
0: The shiny, the shiny gentleman. I cast Matthew McConaughey. As Who time. is
1: the shiny That's gentleman?
0: Cast, it's the machine. That oh, it's the machine. Okay. Yeah, 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 Grinds the bones, grinds the, bones. Grinds the bones the dust, the powder. Literally, Phil <laughs> <Film laughs> never came back. I'm so grinding the dust and the
1: powder. Yeah, I'm so upset. Baraska. I'm so upset. Oh, my God. Well, fuck all your daughters and give
0: us the babies, yeah. Baraska. It's pretty, uh, I think, I think the reason this story is popular is because (laughs) the ending is ridiculous. I love, this is. We can't have children, so let's just abduct and fuck the entire town's daughters and everyone will be okay with
1: it. 100%. I love that part. That
0: part It was doesn't great. make a lick of fucking it sense.
1: It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I like that part. The... The... Oh my... They put him in a machine? Because they... they with
0: the, if they can't make babies anymore, they fucking kill him. But why not just like... Or if the babies come out with imperfections, they also said that they kill him.
1: Why not just hit him with a shovel and put him in a pit? Like, they're not going to find the... Mine, so they're not going to find the bodies. Because
0: technically, if you think about it, the purest form of disposing of a dead body is technically like either dissolving it or making it ash, like pulverizing right. it. Right. So if they have ash, where are they going to put it? Oh, well, we're up in the mountains. Let's let the wind take it.
1: Get it? I get Oof. it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But why don't you put them in a pit? Put them in a pit. Here's the, here's the easier solution. Because then the body's rot and then pit. there's evidence. There's, there's there's evidence. There's a whole bunch of naked ladies. pregnant lady, naked ladies. No one's going up into the mountains or asking questions. That's my point. So no one's going to go up to the pit. If they, if they put the pit right yes. next to the building with naked yes. ladies. Yes.
0: There has to be a line somewhere between ridiculous and understandable. Because what they're doing in the story is at least understandable. They have zero evidence that they've been murdering people. What they have evidence of is human trafficking, but not even the girls want to yeah. leave. No, I, yeah. So you'll never get anywhere with that, which is where the story goes. <clears throat> but point. if there were dead bodies everywhere, you literally run up to the pit, grab a head, go back down and say, no, seriously, everyone, this is my sister's fucking head. Right. They couldn't make babies with her anymore. So they fucking murdered her and threw her body in a pit. Right. And then you throw the fucking head on the kitchen table. Right. No. Fair enough. tell everyone to go fuck themselves.
1: hey, um for all the viewers that are watching right now, if you're sponsored
0: by cider boys hard hard cider craft crafting cranberry, <laughs> that's what I'm drinking right now. It's fucking oh, awesome cider boy cider not made from dead babies
1: and I'm drinking whatever beer wants to pay the most of my money to sponsor us. no, but listen, viewers go back in um. Episode uh, 1 and 2 of this series, which is not going to be episode 1 and 2 of Lots of Pasta. It's going to be whatever, whatever.
0: Go back. Uh, 102
1: and 105. 102 105. Give a quick listen. Go back to the first time they climbed the mountain, that trail. Tell, uh, give me a comment if there was any powder or nothing. You know? Give me a comment if you saw some foreshadowing there. Leave us a, uh, tweet us, DM us on our Twitter page and say, oh, there was powder. Like page 12, they walked up the and there was like powder. And it was like, oh, is it snow? And they licked it and they played in it. Like, let us know. I don't think they played in it, but... Was there powder? I think so. It's, it's all about the details. It's all about those details.
0: They absolutely talk about the, the weird ash that, float, that blows through town. It's not quite snow. It's not, oh, snow, it's not yeah, quite yeah, dust. Right. I think they you're just right. call it you're dust. Right. You're right. Ew,
1: that's bodies. Yeah,
0: that's bodies though.
1: Ew So how gross. do you feel about Nebraska though? Overall, I liked it. I like the fact that we thought it was supernatural and it turned out to be a baby meal. I think that's a great direction to take it. Rather than but sure,
0: that's that's where I like the story.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that was good. But then the machine I think well, okay.
0: I don't agree it. with the machine either. I think it should just be an oven and there should be nothing morbid about it.
1: Oh, literally just, just
0: disintegrate baker. the bodies. Oh, like in a big, you know, like a like kettle a, of iron. You know, like, like how um, ore. how vets how vets operate. You know, people bring animals to go get put down and euthanized, right? Uh, every day at a vet clinic, every day people they have to dispose of those dead bodies. They put them. They cremate them. They dust that shit, and then you know what they dust. You know what happens yeah. with the dust? If the person doesn't take the dust home, they just flush it down the fucking toilet. It goes straight to the sewers. Yeah,
1: everyday people.
0: Okay, so that makes more sense than, yeah, let's blow it on the town. Let's blow it down the mountains. <laughs> hey, Steve, get the leaf blower. We got a lot of dust here. Steve, and there's it too needs, much dust in the mountains. There's mountain. too much dust. I can't What's fuck. <laughs> I can't fuck with all the dust, all right? I thought the machine... Steve, you said the machine was going to be fun. It's fun that it gets rid of the dead bodies, but all this fucking dust, man. This isn't what we prom... You got to do something with the dust. Well, how about we just... How about we just shovel it down the mountain? All right, Steve, that's not... I don't care about the fucking answer. Just get it done. There's too much fucking dust around here. Yeah, there's too much fucking dust up here. I can't do any fucking... I can't get my dick hard if it's full of dust, like a goddamn elephant trunk. <laughs> All right, so I'll just blow it down the mountain then. I don't care, Steve. I don't.
1: <laughs> if you or a loved one suffers from mesothelioma, <laughs> please give us a call. <laughs> the town of King still doesn't have clean water. Nope. It's Flint. It's <laughs>
0: I wasn't gonna say it. I just wanted to make a meme it's out of Detroit. it. It's Detroit.
1: The whole it's that's what the Drissing city is.
0: still doesn't have clean water. That sucks. The babies. Oh, they're being thrown in a machine. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how they're coming out. That's, just to, just to drink some water, people. It's ridiculous. All the out of towners, we fuck them.
1: And then we go to Prescott's
0: artisanal sandwiches. Artisanal sandwiches. I don't know where all this money comes from. <laughs> Here, how do they have? How? No one buys the sandwich. Mira is asking the real questions. No one buys the sandwiches, but they won't shut down the store. I sit here, (laughs) I go crazy here every day, sitting in this shop. I have a mental breakdown every day. I keep seeing (laughs) us in the red. We sell a sandwich a day. That's four. That's four twenty-five. You know, with no extras.
1: So <laughs> she plays Candy Crush in the back. In the back for like eight hours on a milk crate.
0: <laughs> I have read all of Dean Koontz's novels back here, okay? I have. And I I have to say, this store makes probably fifty thousand dollars a year. Because I still have a job. Off of 425 sandwiches (laughs) a day. That's $30 a week.
1: Welcome to Prescott's Artisanal Sandwiches. 54 times 30. We have many uh, varieties of sandwiches to meet all your sandwich needs. We have uh, paninas. We have. (laughs) Hojis, we have like, Giro's,
0: 15, we have
1: baby powder. Have oops, oops, almost. <laughs> ooh! I almost let it slip. I almost let it secret. I almost let the secret <laughs> out. Powder. You can get any amount of cheese. You can get American cheese. We have provolone cheese. We have rape cheese. Oh my god, I almost said it again. Almost said it again. Get it together, Mira. Okay. But we do have rape cheese. That, that is <laughs> That one is real. It's Italian. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Jesus so here's Christ. so here's here's how I'm Put doing on. the math,
0: okay? 425
1: 420
0: times 7 days a week is 2975 times 54 Do you really... weeks in a year. Yeah. That means Prescott Artisanal Sandwiches is only making $1,606.50 a year. 100%. And yet the store is still not 100%. bankrupt.
1: Which okay,
0: it's all. The, so really, follow. here's the real twist: you follow the line, you follow yep. the string, follow money. Jimmy loves a good sandwich. Is all it comes <laughs> down to. That's it. He loves to fuck the girls, in you know, and make the babies and sell the babies for literally like what I'm thinking is probably sixty thousand dollars. Yep.
1: Oh, oh minimum.
0: minimum. Minimum. Okay, minimum.
1: Yeah, they can sell a baby for a hundred thousand.
0: You think for so? Sure. For you sure. You think so? To okay. wealthy So to yeah. the right people. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Hundred thousand. 100,000. 100,000, baby. Um, and it sounds like they have more than 30 yeah. going in. More than mm-hmm. 30 girls in there. There's like a probably. couple floors.
1: There's like, we saw... There were we a couple rooms. And they describe, one. I
0: think, like eight eight to 12 beds in yep. each room.
1: And that, that floor was just shitty. And like stone walls or whatever. The next floor is like plush carpeting. Luxury apartments. There's like a waterfall section. It's actually really nice.
0: It's like Mad Max Fury Road. Like, yep. uh, what's exactly. his face? Like um, a,
1: a four-star hotel. Right. The... Um, when
0: you know it's funny when when they go, I forget. Immortan Joe, yep. Immortan Joe in Mad yep. Max Fury Road, they you go up to where he keeps the girls, and it's like a lush fucking palace mm-hmm. with a waterfall, mm-hmm. and they're like, "We want to be free. We want to go to the outside world." Right. And you see like the fucking wonderful area they're living in, and yep. you're just like,
1: "This is like a miniature Eden in here," and you right. guys want to go out to the fucking wasteland. And then the Where where are they at? What's the kingdom they're in? Or whatever. But then like his son is like, Oh, I'll protect uh, Frodo or whatever. And then half of the... Well, the one pregnant lady, the short pregnant one, Gimli, she goes... She goes and she's like, Frodo, I'll, ooh, let me ask you a question. I think you're literally going to give me an aneurysm. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then they all went to the artisanal sandwich shop. And they oh got my a, God. They got a ring it of sandwiches. Comes,
0: so, what I think is that it all comes back to Jimmy Prescott's love for sandwiches. Sandwiches.
1: Oh, he loves it. He fucks sandwich.
0: the girls to get the money to support his lifestyle, which includes the artisanal, the, the Prescott's artisanal sandwich shop. That is something he funds. In order to traffic money, in order 100%. to, in order to, um, what's what is it called?
1: Launder money. Launder. That's the front. That's Literally, the front. when he was a kid, his father Arthur Prescott, mm-hmm. rest in peace, said to him, Jimmy.
0: It was Thomas Senior.
1: Thomas Prescott said to him, Jimmy, "Would you like to help me uh, rape women and sell their babies?" And Jimmy said, "No, Dad, it's gross. I just want to play with my wagon." And then, and then Robert said, "Who the fuck is his name? Timothy." Who? Who's the, the the dad? The dad, Thomas. Thomas said, uh, "Jimmy, I have a sandwich here for you."
0: Uh-huh, and that was uh-huh, it. That uh-huh. was it.
1: It was, and then that he was sold his
0: older brother the, and said, "Here's a sandwich." The first and then, day, from that point forward, that was it. Magic was made. That it's, was. It's it. almost like we are hearing that how Subway was. You know the it. The franchise was formed. You know, it's just formed. Jared. From- I was gonna say Jimmy. Prescott. He sells uh he sells babies to keep the sandwich form alive.
1: Literally. You can see parallels everywhere, guys. It's I could really go for it. It's Not that uncommon. <laughs> and I just wanna let you know that I have a new podcast coming out. I don't know if I can wrap the podcast on another <laughs> podcast. It's at Infowars.com slash this magnifying glass and we take a look at all the sandwich shops in America and we say which ones are baby factories and which ones are not baby factories and honestly I'm, gonna, I'm, not, I'm you're going to be surprised when I'm going to tell you this 80% of sandwich shops in America are baby factories
0: did you use your name?
1: yeah so like I said guys that URL check me out on Twitter that URL is infowars.com slash Alex Jones <laughs> but with two T's But with one T figure it out we would go, go all the way. And then my name is... If you didn't get that.
0: <laughs> Stop! I have to keep cutting it.
1: Yeah, um, so anyway, guys, listen. Oh, my God. <laughs> just beep it.
0: So, Baraska wasn't, like... It was good. It was good. It just it wasn't mind-blowing, it I It wasn't suppose. great. You, um... I bet you would be surprised to hear that I am loving the left-right game that is going on right now. Oh! I'm, re- I'm reading that with, uh... Tenron Otrin. Yeah. Uh, that, that is easily going to be six parts long and we are recording part three next week and it has gone to some crazy fucking places, (laughs) man. It's literally a caravan adventure through surrealism and, um, we each play specific characters and it's like a play. We have conversations. You just do it. It's fun. That's cool. I thought Baraska was. Okay. Uh, I thought it was all right. It's almost like uh, the outsiders of creepy pasta, no sleep stories. Yeah. It's it's good because it it's got the structure to do so, and it's tragic and it's kind of scary. Yeah. And a lot of people die. Let's do it for Johnny. But at the end of the day, it's also kind of bullshit. Yeah. Young adult literature. I wrote a uh, twelve-page dissertation on the outsiders in college. Oh wow. On how, uh, on how it's uh, bullshit. I don't remember that. Oh, <laughs> uh, you remember doing it for Johnny though? Uh, yeah. So well, anyway, of uh, it's it gang wars and. Uh,
1: Okay, cool. T-
0: uh, a group of greasers get wrapped up in some shady business. and. Tell me more, tell me more. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but tell yeah, me yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, to. yeah, yeah. No, I'm not going to. No, tell me more about that. So, uh, <laughs> this was Braska and... Lots th- of Braskas. That's That was the last part. What? It's over. It's over. Part five.
1: So I was working at... Prescott's Artisanal Sandwiches, <laughs> making our world-famous Jimmy P. It's panini. Baby. Babe, dead, baby. <laughs> dead, dead baby panini. Nini nee, 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 BB. The new
0: twist is he found out babies are delicious, and he's having <laughs> us use them in the sandwiches.
1: And a little bit of baby
0: batter Just the way Jared likes them over no, at Subway. <laughs> Let's just leave. What was, yeah, what yeah. was your question? Okay.
1: Is this uh well this is kind of a meta question to me asking now. Um, is this part of the other episode? This or? is this is uh, we're rewinding for
0: okay. a bit. we yep. yep. <laughs> rewind real quick for the next 10 minutes. We got to go over some fucking shit. Some
1: shit went down.
0: We got to uh, it's and been brought to it's been brought to my attention, needless to say. By nickname my girlfriend. Yeah. Did you have Thodemus Prime? Oh yeah yeah, 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 that's right, that's right, that's great. <laughs> she brought it to my attention. Well, it was more like this. Let me let me put it out this way. Set the scene. I wake up one morning to a slew of texts. The first one is holy shit! I just finished Baraska at like three o'clock in the morning, and the next one is like four o'clock in the morning I haven't been able to stop thinking about the story what did you think of the end five o'clock in the morning wow it's really fucked up like this this and this man it's just. I, I hope you talk about this and when you when you do it in the show and my response at eight o'clock <laughs> is wait that happened <laughs> my response <laughs> My response very quickly is like, that's not, that's not true. That didn't happen. And then I go back and I read the final, like, five pages of Baraska over again. And I'm like, holy shit, we didn't even, we didn't even cover the scale of how fucked up yeah. the ending of this story actually is. Yeah, fair play. Um, she she brought several things to the forefront of my mind. And I think, uh, you know, if, if we were to lay it back out, like, just, just I mean... To the viewers, it's it's been five minutes since we right. talked about it.
1: To us, it's been like three weeks. Also, we both sound a lot more sober now, which is weird. Like, we, we are sober now. That's the <laughs> difference. Sound we're so so put together.
0: We're sober now. We were really high and and drinking yep. when when we mm-hmm. read when we, we record, really all right, when we record the episodes. We are usually fucked up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't feel like I have to precurse that, but it's been, it's also been brought to my attention that maybe that's not the best way (laughs) to tell a story. (laughs) I had a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours who said, um, he, he really wanted to do an episode with you. He's a new person on the show, um, his name is Sofa King and he um he really likes your episodes. He really misses you as a person oh, nice. and he wants to hang out. He got absolutely fucking shit-housed <laughs> on this on this show to the point where to the point where when I took over the story that we were reading in his episode, he like shut the fuck up and like zoned in on the things I was saying. <laughs> and by the end of it he was just like Wow, man, that that was really good, man. You that wow the ending, and I was just like, yeah, maybe if you weren't so fucking you know messy for the first half of your story, you would have you would have bought into it too. So I it's been brought to my attention that we were a little uh, we we didn't quite uh, cover or review Baraska as we should have.
1: I feel like I finish every one of my episodes and I'm like, okay, well, bye. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. Like, no, oh, that, I mean, done. there is, there is kind of that mentality to, wow, we've sat on the couch together for right. two hours. It's time <laughs> for you to leave. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. No, everyone, everyone kind of has that, that mentality. But the truth is, is like, um, there's Jesus there. Christ. I just, I just recorded yeah. an episode with uh disco D too. And he, um, for the first time in forever, he came on the show and it was like a two hour long thing to the point where when we were done, we were just like, well, that story was good. That's the end. And then, yep. you know, like it, it just, it takes, it takes a chunk out of you. It does. If, if you're not prepared. And we were stoned and drunk when we did Barasca and it deserves a little bit better than that. And surprise. And, and let me also say that, this isn't the first time this has fucking happened. No. No. In your Dogscape episode, yeah. I even stop and and solo, like, I couldn't get you back in a an in early enough time for the episode to come out, that I actually end the episode and then talk about it more for another, like, three to five minutes. Yeah. Just about my, like, sober thoughts right. on the story. <laughs> um, Because I loved Dogscape. Because I, I had the
1: same reaction. <laughs> After 21 journal entries, I was like, all right, dude. Well, it's a Planet made of Dogs. See I nev- you. <laughs> I never want
0: to see you ever again. Later. <laughs> I never
1: want to. I'm see so sorry you. for. He got home. He up.
0: saw his dog sitting on his bed, and he punched it. I, I kicked
1: it off. <laughs> it's a ghost, <clears throat> so it was pretty light.
0: Yeah. So. So a couple things. A couple things. Numero um, <clears throat> Let's let's quick. Yeah. You and I need to quick recap. Yeah. Okay. Because. Yep. It's been a little bit. So, viewers, follow along. The end of the story, the end of Baraska, is the kid, Sam, he's Mm -hmm. kind of unacknowledged, no one listens to him, and he leaves the town and becomes a vagrant. He he is homeless outside of town for, I think, like 10 years. Really? Before he gets a letter from girl, what was her fucking name? Kimber. Kimber. He gets a letter from Kimber explaining the end of the story, explain, explaining what
1: happened no, like no, ten no. years ago. No, no, no. No, it's from, um, it's from. It's Kimber's mom. It's Kimber's mom.
0: It's Kimber's mom explaining oh, Kimber why. Forwarded
1: Kim- it on the letter. Get, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha, you. Gotcha. She
0: sent it from like California. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: She's like. She's like, you know, I I read this ten years ago, and this explains why I left and you never saw me right. again. But now here, and essentially, it had been waiting for him, yeah. at the town. Yeah. The entire time, and he just never checked his mailbox. So he checks, he he picks it up, and he finally finds out the reason why everything is so fucked up. And it's and it's revealed that about 50% of the town knows about the operation, knows mm-hmm. about what is happening. A good it's almost all of the authority figures and the wealthy people in the town. Yeah. The lowers don't know about it because the lowers are just, you know, they're, they're scum that perpetuate the system in, in the, in the eye of, uh, the authority and the power. Right. Um, however, the authority and the power are the ones, you know, this is pretty obvious. They're the ones, you know, uh, raping the young women and having the, the babies produced and then sold yeah. to the wealthy in the town
1: it's a it's a baby mill the whole town it a baby is a baby mill,
0: mill. yes right. so horrifying fact number one I'm is, psychic wow are you really
1: well bec- no horrifying fact number one what were the two deuuterragagenss Deuteragonist? in tech?
0: whatever oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so hor- horrifying fact number 1 number that one. that you kind of called earlier early, called early it, on called is it. that you called him keel in part 1 Key and then Kiel. we and then we dropped it <laughs> keel uh, yeah i'm <laughs> so annoyed in part 2 we dropped keel <laughs> so it's Kyle and Kimber turn out to be related She's now yeah? Should we? Should we start? It's a little late to start now. It's like your 17th
1: episode. Let's, let's re-record all of the episodes that we've done okay. so far. It's you not you really good. want to not do dog good. skip again? It'll take it'll take like 30 minutes. What We have like two episodes.
0: Yeah. So Kyle and Kimber turn out to be related and, and even as soon as part one, uh, episode 102, you, you had said that they sounded so similar that you assumed that they were related.
1: They had this like brother-sister play going on.
0: And they also both have red hair, freckles, yep. and are relatively the same height. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I completely ignored that. I, I They weren't related, because right. they have different last names. So, I was just like, they're not. They're not even cousins. So, revelation number one is that if their name starts with a K, they're Sheriff Clary's offspring in the town. they cousins. And, and then that means... Incest has taken place because you know they were dating in part three. Oh yeah, they were they were fucking, <laughs> and Kyle Kyle had no idea. And Kyle now end of the story, brain dead vegetable state in a hospital bed. Right. So sad ending there too. Incest into hospital bed vegetable.
1: Yeah.
0: Great. So it's like Forrest Gump. It is yeah. yeah. It's exactly like Forrest yeah. Gump. So. That happened, and that makes you then reassess the entire cast of characters throughout the entire right. story. It makes you think of everyone else uh, that that's name started with a K. And it also makes you uh, reanalyze the entire story to realize all the characters who start with P, because right. P is for Prescott. Yeah. And that that reveals to you that their their cousin Phil is not their cousin. Jack Black, who I was doing the voice of. He he actually should have been um, a Prescott child. And Kyle's little brother was also a Prescott child. And in part one, Sam notes how fucking different Kyle and his uh, younger... I I forget the younger brother's name, but it does start with a P. P I made that sure. And um, Paul or something, maybe? It might have been Paul. Yeah, whatever. Um, And he notes how fucking different they are. God like, damn. they came from different parents. The the person who wrote this d- did it so well that it almost demands a second read. Yeah. Is the reason why I wanted to do this rewind yeah. thing. Because I feel like my editing of these episodes, because your, your part two comes out this week, um, my re-editing brings all of this shit back up to light. Like, mm-hmm. I am reading it again. And... I've only slowly started to like chip away at like holy shit this was uh this was a well-meticulated plan like all along like right. and you don't read many stories like that like uh like Sofa King and I we read a story like that on his first fucking episode and it knocks him for a fucking <laughs> loop it's it's great the ending um It was it was from a fucking Tumblr, so it really surprised us. It was like shit. Someone someone shitty on a Tumblr wrote this for free, and it's one of the best (laughs) stories we've read on the show. You know, like um, it came from the same source I get toast from. Like you find toast hilarious because of its terrible quality. Yeah. So this story knocks he and I for a loop, and it just reminds me of Baraska. And I think that's going to be episode one. 12 or 114, just to plug it, a uh, new character, Sofa King, check out that episode when it does come out. In a He's couple, Sofa in a, King, great. In a couple weeks, yeah. That's pretty much what we do the entire yeah. episode. <laughs> um, like, when you rethink of all the characters having different names like P's and K's and mm-hmm. all that shit, it then gets to fucked-up twist number two, number two that we completely glossed over. I'm ready for it. They then state later like when he's older and like when sam's older and kicked out of town already he notes that someone in town names uh i think names their kid with like a w or or maybe like the name of the kid uh and it's supposed to stand for sam's dad
1: Uh, fucked up twist number two
0: that we completely missed is that sam's dad is a part of it like the entire time Okay. You so, remember in part one when it's yeah. when it's it's vaguely stated that Sam's dad did something really shitty to get kicked off of the force, yeah. and that's the reason why they had to move. Yeah. Methinks he gets asked to come and come to this town okay. and participate in this system because of his penchant for illegal and terrible things.
1: Now that you mention it, obviously, there's a ton of subtext there. Because all throughout yes. parts three and four, I guess it is, Yeah, Sam's dad is always like, no, it's not a big deal. You and need it's, to trust me, Sam. It's very suspicious. So that yes. makes total sense.
0: It's really fun.
1: Yeah. It's really
0: fun to re-listen for the... I actually think I'm, I'm fucking up the last names. But, regardless, his dad has a letter for... Now starting to impregnate kids right. in the town. Right. He is into the system like Clary was. He is into the system like like Prescott's f- senior yeah. was into the system. Like there are there are peas that are Prescott Junior and Prescott Senior, and there are peas that like completely um, like Prescott like killed his brother over the entire right. Like, uh, the dad sacrificed the son for the system. Yep. You know like. This shit has been going on since the town had problems. So the minute you realize that there are kids in the town and almost 90% of the kids in the town have P's and K's for their names, but different last names, that this uh, introduction of W names knocks you for a fucking loop. Because then you start to realize that the dad... You know, when was the dad's turning point when his daughter went missing did he did he offer his daughter up to the system as an in?
1: Oh I see what you're saying as yeah.
0: an as an in to show Prescott's like
1: collateral. that he
0: yeah, yeah that he was that he was ready for what they were offering oh, That's a good point. Maybe he offered up Whitney as sacrifice. Fucked up realization number three therein lies that the reason Whitney didn't have any kids for the entire five years she was missing is because the dad was the one raping her and all of her kids were either stillborn or inbred and therefore died before they could be given birth to. The reason Whitney is so skinny and deformed and and just beaten at the end of Baraska is because... And the reason she's afraid of Sam when Sam comes and tries to save her is Mm -hmm. because Sam looks like his dad.
1: But wait, Whitney's name starts with a W. So she is, by blood, the daughter of Sam's dad, the dad, but also is constantly being raped by Sam's dad.
0: Yes, it is.
1: I get you.
0: Okay, so based off of. Prescott and Clary's dialogue at the very end they explain that the daughter is neither of theirs. Okay. And when you find out that W stands for Walker, you Scott, you 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 are only led to the conclusion that if, you know, by process of elimination that Whitney was neither the Prescotts or Clary's kid to have sex with, that she was also Sam's dad's. Right. And whether or not he was having... It's highly alluded that he was raping his own daughter. Right. Because he had to... He always says this really backhanded thing that I never quite got throughout the story. But he says, you'll never know how much I I loved your sister. He says that a bunch. And now, whenever I hear that, Mm. my, my, like, butthole tightens. Yeah. Because I... It's a it's mind. love in a, to a very different way, Sammy boy. Yeah, it is love in a completely different way, um, and it is and it is fucked up. Yeah. and uh, above all else, it is fucked up. <laughs> so with these with these three facts, I felt it was necessary to come back and say listen to the story again or perhaps you picked up on this before we did probably <laughs> if you're just listening to this on your commute home from work then yeah you probably got this before we did yeah
1: and also why is your commute so long like on it like find a better job or move closer to it because hmm. if you have a four-hour commute that sucks man
0: yeah, I you know? mean, I was more so going to say that someone would listen to an hour on the way to work and an hour on the way back because most of the episodes cap out at two hours. But, you know, that too. <laughs> anyway, um, those three facts really, really brought the story back for me. And I and I wanted to thank Thodomus for pointing it out to me because our conversation started with me not believing a single fucking word she said to the point where she said, no, really go back and read the last three pages over again. Yeah and you'll see what i'm seeing because it it doesn't take a fucking genius no, to no. draw the, the lines with with the ending <laughs> it's just we were fucking stupid
1: <laughs> we were we were stupid
0: we when we have, read this
1: we need to have a surrogate who isn't part of the episode but just sits like off off-mic. You're talking just, about a
0: babysitter? You're saying basically, we need a babysitter? And they
1: write cue cards and they just have the ending explained. And they're like, hit this point, hit this
0: point. <laughs> talk about this. Talk about this. Talk really about quick. this.
1: Guys, talk about this. This
0: is the most important. Yeah. It's happened, it's happened a bunch. Happened. It has happened a bunch. Where we we record an episode, and then five weeks later, when I'm editing it, I go, Oh, well, we don't really talk about that. But that's like probably the most interesting part of the story. So is it worth having that person come back to record the now Usually dialogue? Usually it's small
1: enough that you're like, ah.
0: It's not a big deal. Yeah. With Baraska, it's a big fucking deal. It's a deal. big deal. It changes something. Not only because this is the first like multiple episode special at post episode 100, but because it's a big fucking deal to the story. It, it makes the story infinitely more brutal. Yeah. When, and, you, when you realize that not only are kids like fun fun fact I didn't mm-hmm. get to tack onto is that Whitney never produces a good child right. and literally just gets murdered. Right. That's the end of that's the end of Whitney's story to the plot. Mm-hmm. That she was raped that she, for years. She was raped by her own father for five years, and then when she d- never produces a good child, they fucking toss her in, in shiny gentleman. Yeah. So, congratulations. Not- we 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 touched on it. Because it, they say it right. straightforward, they right. say, and then the and then the machine of Baraska started up that night, and then you heard the the screaming coming down from the mountain. Like, yes, like Whitney was murdered the the day that they tried saving her. Yeah, we get that. I got it, but we didn't know she was being raped by her own dad for the five years leading up to it, which is yeah pretty significant to her. Overall torture throughout the entire story. Right. Not to mention the the plight of Sam going forward from that point, learning these facts and putting this shit together. Um, I think that's like the breaking point for me. Not only does he get and find out the dark secrets of the town that no one gives a fuck about, but that no one believes him and he is abandoned for the rest of his life and then and then when he's starting to put his life back together he then realizes that his sister was also involved because his dad was involved all along right that makes me want to write a part 5 <laughs> where Sam just goes back to the town with a gun and and kills
1: everyone. But that but that can't happen. That resolution can't happen.
0: No, because it's too it's because it's it one it's too outlandish and two it would it would provide too much resolution. Yeah,
1: yeah it'd be too cathartic. The,
0: the ending wouldn't wouldn't have a punch because you know that there's revenge about to take place. Kimber's
1: mom was in the same position. Kimber's mom was like, and "I Kimber's, see this system. I can't do anything about it." Wrote then, a letter to Kimber and then killed herself. And then killed herself. Kimber found the letter. Was in the same position. Was like, "I know what you know what's going on. I can't do anything about it." And forwarded left. forwarded the letter to Sam. Sam's going to be in the same position. He's going to be like, "I don't know." You know, they're they're doing a baby mill. All the cops don't give a shit.
0: If here, but here, but here's where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. When I say if I'm if I'm ignored and and made homeless by my own burden of knowledge over the course of ten years, I would then try to supersede the system,
1: terroristically blow shit up, literally. Yeah, it'd be a good like, uh, like a like. This is
0: gonna make me sound sociopathic,
1: but <laughs> I don't think there's any moral <laughs> imperative to like. Killing the people that are running a baby mill. I don't think you have to think about that for too long.
0: Man, if I were Sam and I found out my own local, like, system is just fucked beyond whole comprehension, I would take it into my own hands at I that gotcha. point. I I I, I,
1: gotcha. I just I gotcha.
0: think, like, that's a situation to go Rambo in and feel no pity for, like, anything. Because the entire, like, and I'm just talking about the main people of power, not, not the people who fund it or the people who are bystanders to it. I'm literally just talking about assassinating Thomas Prescott. Right. You know, assassinating (laughs) Sheriff Clary.
1: Sandwiches. (laughs) Sandwiches. That's how you do it, obviously. You poison the sandwich.
0: Oh, Jimmy
1: Prescott's. uh, Fucking
0: that sandwich stand, dude. Artisanal turns sandwiches. over like
1: 60 bucks a week. It's like their grossest sandwiches. They don't have any ingredients on hand. When you're like, oh, do you want wheat? Oh, and they have... It's the saddest fucking sandwich shop. It's terrible. <laughs> you're hung... Super twist number four. It's not super a sandwich
0: shop. <laughs> <laughs> super twist <laughs> that really upsets Django.
1: So there's a fourth letter. It's the letter S. And it stands for sandwich. Do you know who else has a letter S in their name? Sam. Sam. Sam sandwich. Sandwich. He Sam. is a sandwich. He is a sandwich. He looks in the mirror <laughs> and he like parts his bread. And he's like, who am I?
0: He's <laughs> just got hands. Rod Serling walks in and today you're about to see a sandwich. Realize it's not a boy. <laughs> We've crossed
1: over. Into That's part five. The sandwich zone. <laughs> Part five is Sam comes to term with his own sandwichness, and he goes on a killing spree.
0: Yeah, that's probably better to end the episode on. Now that now that <laughs> now that the talk now that the talk is over, how do you feel about Baraska as a story?
1: So glad you asked. Um, I liked Baraska. I, I liked it even when we finished, and I feel like when we finished the episode and I'm stoned, I'm like I hate every story. I liked it. I like Baraska. The only thing I didn't like was the. I love the fact that it was a baby mill and that there were no supernatural, supernatural elements. Yeah. I didn't love the fact that they just didn't fucking kill the kids. They put them in a giant like metal wood chipper. It's fine. It's fine. I didn't yeah, like. Yeah, what's up with that? I don't, it's a little much, but that's fine. It's the cre- it's the creepy pasta. It's it's the extra. It's the plus factor. It's the
0: it's the minute it goes from good literature to
1: creepy pasta. Yeah, is there's a giant metal grinder thing. But yeah. So to, to to your point, uh, I'm very impressed with the maturity of the story. I feel like you know you were mentioning all those those foreshadowing moments and all those callbacks. It's a very well constructed story. It's obviously someone who knows what they're doing, mm-hmm. um, which is cool. I mean, you know, there's a certain saturation in creepy pasta, and I feel like good creepy pastas are worth recognition. Baraska certainly is one. So
0: it absolutely was. Yeah. Because. You know, you, you you go to any list on Reddit, like literally, like pull up your phone, look at Reddit, go to go to our no sleep, and just vaguely search best no sleep stories. Someone in that thread is going to say Baraska. Not not everyone is gonna say pen pal. Not everyone is gonna say like Uncle Jerry's family mm-hmm. fun zone. Like it pops up a lot. Um,
1: not everyone's gonna say. Have that. you
0: seen this painting of a hallway, like? Oh, I love that a, story. A bunch of stories we've read on your episodes yeah. are, like, the, best
1: of. The Bear Station in Canada. I love that one. That one's awesome. Like, the the local access TV show in Canada. Uh,
0: 1999. Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Bear's Cellar. Yeah, I think it's great. I, re- I read that with Tenron Otrin, I think, episode fi- 59 or something. Mm-hmm. 50, 54. Um, yeah, I think you'll you'll you won't see 1999 very no. often but but the right people will say that and the right people will also say barasca and barasca will be on every list on not every list will you see 1999 or you know, search and rescue stories or anything. Right. But you will always see Baraska, and that's like a reason I've been holding on to it for so long. I've probably had it for like a year. It's not a new story by any means, but it is. It is like it is much like Pen Pal in the fact that I think it has been published. Mm. I think it has been been reworked for a uh, print media, and I think. Um, I don't know, like it actually has an author. It's not just some fucking username. Right. It's like it's like Auerbach or something like that. And I think uh it's very clear the talent that the person who wrote this story had.
1: So That's Baraska.
0: That was Braska. I really Buraska. liked Baraska Baraska, Part Three. <laughs> you there. like you like that, WD. I do, I, yeah. That's a good title.
1: It's physical.
0: Yeah. It is yeah. you were uppercutting.
1: It's uh <laughs> <laughs> it's got good imagery.
0: It's, uh, it's a UFC <laughs> move. <laughs> they call this one the Barasca Barasca. <laughs> and then you have the, yeah. And then there's blood everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and babies. And... Yeah. Is that a seal? Yeah. Ah, ah, ah. Two to the one, from the one to the three. I like good
1: pussy and I like good tree.
0: Smoke so much weed, you put the bullying, and I get more head.
1: Ran-